Kommer. Long one. Taylor Swift's getting us off to a rock, 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 rock start you to the programme. You pressed I the did, I did, I did. Can I just stop up the show, Neil? Yeah, Thank I you very much. Fingers, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that, folks. Be interrupted by my co-colleague on uh, Toon Talk Radio because I played the wrong song. But uh, good evening, everybody, to Toon Talk Radio on www.toontalk.co.uk. We're also available on Nova Radio co.uk and also if you've got the tuning app you can actually listen to us on google play as well so we're everywhere on newcastle united sunderland Middlesbrough, durham county cricket club and obviously boxing uh it's been an interesting last couple of uh, hours obviously on that subject but remember it's all about newcastle united sunderland and obviously durham county cricket club and everything that's everything in the sporting world and it's been a very interesting couple of days for Newcastle United. Tremendous last couple of wins. One on the road, one at home. A 4-3 uh, win. We should have won them by more against Norwich. And then a nice little squeaky bum time against Rotherham at the weekend. So all in all, it's been a really, really good uh, week for Newcastle United. Uh, we're going to start with Neil Mitchell, who's in Dubai. Good evening. Good evening. How are you doing, mate? Not too bad, not too bad. A lot to get through this evening. And we'll go to our... A special guest, our prime guest, probably one of the best commentators that I know, and I'm, I don't often say that, but it's true. It's Ian Dark, football commentator for BT Sport in the UK and for US International Games, ESPN in America. He does it all. Good evening, Ian. Good evening to you guys. How are you doing? Yeah, very well. Nice, nice to speak to you again after all this time. Yeah, it's been. It's, I tell you one thing: if the viewing figures go up the roof when you're on, it's amazing. Viewing figures, I want to tell you. I'll mention that the next time I have a contract chat with you. Then. <laughs> <laughs> touche, touche. Well, it's, I'm going to. I'm going to hand it over to the irrepressible Neil to start the show. Hi, Ian. Uh, lovely to speak to you again. Thanks again for joining me. Um, I'm going to start with, with obviously, the, 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 yeah, the voice that I associate with boxing most of all. Uh, and, and shall we start with Tyson Fury? Where do we start with Tyson Fury? Um, what's your take on it all at the end of the day? Well, it's a crazy situation uh, when you hear about this, and he's now talking about retiring from boxing. Mm. I don't think he will. I've heard boxers talk like this before but obviously he's in a bad position at the moment yes. with the positive drug test 
and being stripped of his title. It's all very sad, really, when you think he put up such a fantastic performance uh, to beat Vladimir Klitschko. Nobody thought he could do it. No. But yeah. I don't know. Something's happened. You wonder. He's not a straightforward personality. I think everybody knows that. Yeah. And it seems to me that he's somehow run out of the motivation, having won the title, to carry on going up and getting up for it to defend it. Uh, and as almost lost interest in the sport or at that kind of level anyway. I think it will come back to him, but, you know, he, it's, it's going to be a long climb back from where he is because he's facing all kinds of investigation. Mm. I, I can't think of any other boxer at the top the way he is who's gone this way. I, I can't think of anything that I can even vaguely compare it to. Uh, and then here, the other week, he was declared mentally uh, not fit to fight, or whatever that means. I mean, then you look at the statements released today, uh, one foul-mouthed tweet and then followed three hours later by saying they're not going to get rid of me that easily, um, certainly would suggest somebody who's not in a good place um, and probably shouldn't be in the ring, but... Um, I, I just can't think of anything through boxing to really compare it to in any sensible way. Well, me neither. I mean, we've mm. had fighters in the past who are always retiring and, and then coming back. I mean, and Tyson Fury, to me, just seems a mass of contradictions. You never yeah. know what he's going to say next. Therefore, it's pretty difficult to take anything that comes out about him at face value. So, you know, three hours later today, having said that uh, he was withdrawing because of reported mental health issues, he, he's, he's tweeting, I'm the greatest and also retired. And then he's saying, no, ha-ha, do you think you'll get rid of the Gypsy King that easy? I'm here to stay. So, I mean, make of all that what you will. Personally, I think he will fight again. And why, why will he fight again? Because he's going to make a few million quid fighting again. And there's no, nothing else that he can do that's going to make that kind of money. So all of this, in the end, is going to rack up huge interest when he does return to the ring eventually. But he obviously is in no kind of state to be returning to the ring at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 this is the guy that turned up for the press conference dressed as Batman that time, and, and, and that kind of behaviour just did seem to ramp everything up for the fight. So well, perhaps it, you know, he, it, he, it, he does actually know what he's doing. What he does, Neil, is you know he, he makes himself box office, and I've never yeah. blamed fighters for that. I and mean, I covered no. that sport for a long, long time, as you know. Uh, and mm. it, it's hard in the modern era for fighters to get the publicity and to attain any type of profile. And they need profile to make money and be a TV attraction. So often it's a, it, you know, they get slaughtered for it, but it, it, it's a desperate bid, really, to get yourself some headlines and some marquee value and to, and to make some mm. money if you've got the talent. And, and to be fair in his case, he did back it up with his actions in the ring, didn't he, that night? Oh, absolutely. And, and, and you're right. Nobody expected him to do it. Very few people tipped him to, to go anywhere close. And I thought he, the fight itself, he, he actually handled Kitschko exceptionally well. Um, really did. Uh, I, I, did I nearly used the phrase punch above his weight there, but I don't think you can punch above his weight, really. Um, he, he, but he, he did. He, he, he certainly did it against the odds. And that, that, that's... But like you say, who can blame him for wanting to make himself box office? 
I, I guess the, the, the other thing in boxing is, is the sad news of the death of Mike Towell as well. Um, mm. and, and obviously his, his opponent, Dale Evans, you've got to have a word of sympathy for him because I'm quite sure you've been seeing plenty of similar incidents, sadly, in your time. Um, and I think well. it just puts a lot of the boxing things in, into perspective, really, doesn't it? It's, it's sort of... But I also think it raises other questions about how well fighters are monitored outside of the ring and, and, and what kind of pastoral care do they get outside of the ring once, once they're training and once before a vote comes. Yep. Uh, obviously, this, this, this is a long-running debate about mm. boxing safety. All I can... I mean, it is... I, I, first of all, let, let's pass on sympathies and condolences to mm. the friends and family of the boxer concerned because it's a terrible tragedy because he's died doing something he loved and you know it's it, 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 it's shocking it really is shocking that that should happen however and what i can tell you is that the safety procedures in britain are among the very best in the world and i was there the night michael watson got mm. so very badly injured against chris eubank that night and and because of things that happened that night the british boxing board of control who took plenty of criticism at the time instituted procedures which made things a lot more safer for boxers mm. like regular scans every year they have to go and have a yeah. proper scan of their brain to make sure there has not been deterioration otherwise they will not get a license there are fairly long you know, if you've been knocked out in a fight, it's going to take a little while before you're going to be allowed to get back in, into the ring again. That's all better than it used to be. But, you know, you're never going to make professional boxing totally safe. <laughs> it yeah. isn't. Well, neither is mountaineering, neither is rugby union, neither yeah. several other activities NFL. Which, which mankind indulges in. Nobody dragged a fighter to the ring uh, and made him box. Fighters fight because... They love the sport, and they make money from the sport. So you can debate that. Um, I'm, ju I'm just, you know, I'm very sad that that has happened because, mm. you know, it's happened in the name of sport. You no, know, I, I, I talk to guys over here about why we can't, you know, look to make boxing big here in the UAE. It, it has all the things that the UAE likes, and, and, and they're very, very big into mixed martial arts, and they've, they've got a big sponsor for that over here in uh, one of the Abu Dhabi sheikhs who's actually known as the Black Belt Sheikh and he promotes mixed martial arts um, right. quite heavily. But the view boxing is something quite um, quite different and, and, and almost brutal and you kind of query because I know Pacquiao's talked about having fights over here because of the Filipino community here um, but it's always been difficult to get local sponsors to get behind it because of the, the view towards boxing yet they're quite happy to look at MMA and they I, I, I don't quite get why the view of boxing is such here because there seems to be actually a lot more thought put into fighter safety from certainly what I understand our good friend Steve Wraith who, who, who now looks after boxers I know what he's been through just to get his license to promote <laughs> and uh, and the hoops he's had to jump through you know and, and, and this kind of um, it, it, it's really sad but then it's also not helped with things like the crass comment that the Eubank company had post the Kell Brook fight when he was he was pulled out. I mean, the guy was the guy was fighting with a fractured eye socket for God's sakes, and that takes something to take a punch like that and not go down from it. 
Um, yeah, and, and, his, and, his, and his corner looked after the guy and pulled him out and said, right, enough. And you, you can do without people chucking um, crass comments around the way the U-Bank camp did for me. Well, the, the thing that he did that night, first off, that, that Cal Brook fight, mm. for me, that fight should never have happened. Mm. It was yeah. a spectacle, I will grant you that, on the night. But here you've got a man who's a, a decent, very high-class welterweight world champion in Cal Brook, mm. but he's going up two weight divisions, two divisions. to fight yeah. a hard-hitting middleweight who's one of the best of all time, probably, in Gennady Golovkin. So... What are they doing making that match? I said at the time on Twitter, and I took a little bit of stick for it, that Brooke should have been pulled out of that fight because it was a health risk for him. As it was, he put up a splendid performance, but they'd clearly come to a, an agreement. Uh, obviously not something that they could make public, but it seemed pretty clear to me, and this is my view, that uh, Dominic Ingle in the corner, they were going to look after Cal Brooke. The moment he got into some serious trouble in the fight, they were going to pull him out oh, of there. Man. He gave it everything, but they pulled him out, and that was the best decision they ever took. And it's a pity the referee took about 20 seconds to notice yeah. they were going to put, try to put the white towel in mm -hmm. to stop the fight, because a lot could have happened in that 20 seconds. As it, it happened, it didn't. But every second you're leaving him in there then, you're risking yourself. As it happened, Kelbrook goes out there with a, with a fractured eye socket, which is bad enough. So... He should stick to welterweight or light middleweight if he's going to move up to that. But, uh, you know, it gained him some profile and it probably improved his reputation. And it was good television, but I think it was a dangerous fight. Yep, yep. Right, a green tailly. Okay, tell you what I'm going to do now is I'm going to change quotes, change sports altogether on you. Uh, and I'm going to go to cricket, the breaking news about uh, Durham's relegation and then some to Division 2. Um, quite shocking, I... I what seems to me, if you want, I'm going to go on a rant here now, a very political decision. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, Durham haven't been relegated. They've been sent to their doom by a political decision from the ECB because I can understand fines, I can understand relegations, I can understand points deductions, but what they've done to Durham now just seems ridiculous. And um, just to summarise, if anybody hasn't heard this yet, Durham have been relegated. Um, the start in the Division 2 now with a 48-point deduction. So in total, to relegate them, actually being docked 94 points in total. Um, they now also have been uh, deducted uh, points from the T20 Blast and the One Day Cup. They've been subjected to a revised salary cap from 2017 to 2020. All um, prize money will be withheld until their debt is cleared and they've been removed as a test uh, cricket ground as well so they've also removed one of the income streams that they actually had um, quite quite staggering levels of punishment it seems to be punishment on punishment what do you make of that Ian? well short of putting <laughs> the people at the county cricket club at Durham in front of a firing squad lynching in the centre that does seem draconian um, mm. to put it mildly 48 point deduction next season as well as being relegated yes. and all kinds of other things I mean yep. the only thing here and I, I have to confess here I don't know all the circumstances involving mm. Durham County Cricket Club and their finances but clearly 
the ECB want to make an example of them because I suppose their logic here is that they feel Durham achieved what they achieved over this last summer, not on a level playing field mm. with the other counties who did manage their finances, presumably, correctly. That has to be the thinking. But my goodness me, uh, that is really a sensational level yes. of punishment. But it's obviously a warning shot to every other county to keep their house very much in order. I mean, for, for, for my money, there, was, there seemed to be a rabbit off when both Borthwick and Stoneman signed contracts for Sturry, which suddenly alleviates the, the pressure on salaries. Um, but the other thing that's involved as well is Hampshire, of course, were one of the counties that didn't oppose the T20 move to go to city cricket, which Durham were. Um, and doesn't that seem rather coincidental that one goes down and one stays up? It, it just seems to be... And I understand totally, and I, and I get totally, financial impropriety in sport now has to be dealt with. It's been dealt with to a degree in football, but not probably to the level it should have been. Um, and, and in other sports too, and, and, and you can't have somebody um, bending financial rules to, to, to gain an unfair advantage. Um, but to then take Test County status away, which is actually one of the potential income streams that Durham had, um, you're taking more and more and more things away um, and it's quite tragic for the county really because you know it's not that long ago they were county champions um, uh, does and this mean you guys are probably a little closer um, mm. to Durham County Cricket Club mm. than I am does this mean that Durham County Cricket Club have been struggling to make ends meet and to continue as a first class county they've, they've had financial issues and they've had uh, I was was the first I was made aware of them was there was actually plans drawn up to build um, build additional stands at the ground including sort of a there was a hotel and conference centre mm -hmm. lined up and housing and to turn it into a proper sort of three, 365 24-7 venue the way that we want to do and then all of a sudden that got put on hold and everything just seemed to scream to a halt because a lot of that was actually done over here in Dubai uh, and I actually was lucky enough to see some of the, the, the original plans for it and it would have been a spectacular thing but there was always some question about how it was going to be paid for. And I know the first rumblings of it seemed to came, come from when they were given a couple of test matches in, in, um, in May, which May and Durham in a test match, you, you're not necessarily going to guarantee to get five days of cricket there. Um, it seemed to be a particularly curious time to send test match cricket to Durham when the time when they were already, they were encouraging so many other grounds to take tests and now they've got this surfeit of, of, of grounds and all of a sudden he has a perfect excuse again to get rid of another one. But that was the first time that I heard rumblings that there was some sort of financial issue there. And I think it has been mismanaged to an extent. But also I think they were encouraged to do certain things, certain things by the ECB on the back of getting test status. And it's just become a real holy mess, unfortunately. I think we have to wait here until the mm. ECB reveal more of the reasons why they've mm. taken such an extreme view of it. Yeah, yeah, I, I tend to agree. Yeah, it's been an interest. Yeah, it's been a. I must be. I, I, I don't really. I kept on hearing from Durham that there were the Emirates were going to come in, and um, you hear about so many things regarding investment. 
Um, but mm. on the on the ECB side of it, uh, they've be, they've been telling counties to, you know, if they want to improve their grounds to 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 take on more debt. So it's a bit of a contradiction what they're doing. But they, I, I love the analogy that they've basically just got them against the wall and got the Gatling guns out and just mm-hmm. uh, took took them out. Ian and uh, and Neil and uh, you know thrown to the fact that. Um, Getting back to obviously getting to football, but I rec sorry with boxing, I certainly do think when it comes to Tyson Fury that is a he's he's doing a real good number on everybody because when I when when I hear about that guy, the only analogy I can make uh, Neil and uh, uh, Ian is that when you play American football, a lot of a lot of injuries occur on the head. So when you look at boxing. It's similar, isn't it? Remember that movie that came out on concussion, when mm-hmm. the force of NFL man on man—they're not—they're not—they're not tackling properly. They're trying to, you know, even back in the day when when it came out and they had to take cert, they had to wait until you're dead before they could find out what's wrong with you. But when it comes to when it comes to you know injuries of that like, um, you've got to think. Well, Tyson Fury. You know he did a really good number on Klitschko, and you know he was he was he was getting hit, but I just think he's playing a a really good game. But the fact is he's been done for cocaine, so he's not allegedly. as smart allegedly. He's not as smart as what he thinks he is because if you if you're going to try and pull all over everybody's eyes uh, and be a, and be a showman to be somebody that can make you guess all the time, I I, I just think you know going on Twitter. He, he's playing. A, I don't think. He's, I don't think there's anything wrong with him. To be honest with you, because to go on Twitter and to say I'm quitting, and he swears, and then within an hour or so, he and he comes. He comes back on. And says, oh, by the way, I'm not. So there's, you know, there's somebody. There's something going on there. But I, I don't believe for one instance it's mental illness because people are tiptoeing around it. They all they're saying, well, it, it could. It could be this. It could be that. I'm just not fooled by it um, because especially the the amount of damage that gets done in boxing you can't liken it to concussion uh, when it comes to um in football now isn't it a player can get concussed they've got to go for a they can't play for a week or two weeks it just seems to be a factor going in with with each with any sport now it's it's getting more and more um you know precarious isn't it ian yeah um obviously with going back to tyson fury mm. yeah i, I Repeat what I said before. I don't think we can take anything he says really mm-hmm. at face value. I do think he'll end up fighting again, but I don't think he's been that smart because he's found himself getting stripped of his title, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of money <laughs> down the drain straight away. Mm-hmm. And he's got to go through rehabilitation fights now to climb his way back into contention. That might not take too long because he is a marquee name and there's money to be made, but. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's not it's not a great situation, and uh, and I think a kind word to describe his behaviour is erratic. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Ever the, ever the diplomat, you know, I like that one. And you know, it's interesting, isn't it, with the talk about uh, when you, obviously you, you you're dealing with the, in the US. It's an interesting appointment today by Swansea mm. uh, when it comes to Bob Bradley. Um, I think with Swansea being. Uh, kind of run by the Americans now. Um, that one's a punt and a half. <laughs> but I, I thought the guy that they brought in the first half was a massive punt. And then, and obviously Ryan Giggs 
was linked bef- before they went the American route. Interesting, wasn't it, that they, you know, I'm not surprised you wouldn't, why would you go to Ryan Giggs? The guy's done nothing in management anyway. But um, it's an interesting appointment, but obviously got all the hallmarks of, of USA written all over it. Well, yeah, Bob Bradley, I know him a little bit from meeting him when he was the coach of the USA team. He was the coach before Jurgen Klinsmann. Mm. He did a pretty solid job with the USA. Mm. He got them to the last 16 of the World Cup in 2010. And he is a, a very, very experienced coach who's, be, who's been around a bit. I have to say, I'm surprised at this juncture, he's suddenly being parachuted in mm. to the Premier League what are we, six weeks or so into the season, I thought Swansea, although their results have not been great, they've always seemed to have a somewhat fragile relationship with Guidolin, the coach there. But I reckon the players were playing for him. I've spoken to a lot of people who saw Swansea play against Manchester City uh, last week, 10 days ago or so, said they played pretty well in that game, although they did end up losing it. And again, against Liverpool, they were bossing the first half. They lost in the end. So I think... They wanted to get rid of him. Uh, it would be very interesting to see how Bob Bradley gets on. His son, of course, uh, Michael yeah. Bradley, is yeah. the captain of the USA uh, national team and had a little spell with Aston Villa. He mm. never really made it in England. He, he did very well in, in Italy, particularly with Roma, where they called him General Bradley. The family know football and love football back to front. He was, he was in Egypt when things were difficult there. Um, mm. You know, he's a bold guy and he'll take it on, and I'm fascinated to see how he gets on, and I hope he does well. Yeah, obviously you brought in Aston Villa there. Um, you know, for, for Newcastle United fans, they deserve everything they get, um, but the demo, the demo I gets me quite angry, actually. But um, it's interesting, I couldn't for the life of me understand why Aston Villa, who've got a nutcase of a chairman, but... Um, how how would they can it, 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 you feel it there, in <laughs> Andrew? Sorry, yeah, it, you feel it. <laughs> sorry, oh. I couldn't. I can't help it. It's the coffee, but like, um, it's it's interesting, isn't it, that they went for Dimitio when they should have really have gone for Steve Bruce, who was newly available, and there was still time because he left there just as Dimitio was uh, brought in. But um, you know, they they tried to make it sound that there's two Champions League winners in Rafa Benitez. And Di Matteo, when when we had our you know one one draw, what's your take on that one? Because um, and obviously Neil can come in as well. But it's you know it, it, was a, it was an odd appointment by an odd chairman. Yeah, very odd. Uh, if I had the chance to appoint Steve Bruce after what he's done when he's visited the championship, particularly in recent years with with Hull City, you would have taken that really and said, hey, that's wonderful. Steve Bruce, he'll steady the ship, he'll sort everything else out here, he knows what it takes, would have appeared to be the right guy, but they've gone for Di Matteo, and it, and it, hasn't, it hasn't worked out. Of course, your, your very own man, Mr. Benitez, mm-hmm. uh, has Newcastle going along very nicely, doesn't he? They're, they're, they're like the entertainers again, aren't they, all these goals? <laughs> I was just about to get to him. Yes, it's been a. What's your take on Dimitri before we we get on Rafa? Because it's we could go on all day about Rafa. But uh, Neil, what do you? What do you? Well, I think it was was in a in a sad inevitability if he didn't hit the ground running in the championship. Um, he's also, as you quite succinctly described, the chairman at Villa, whose tweets are 
pro- properly box office, by the way. Some of the stuff he comes out with on Twitter is 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 really quite bizarre. Um, in in sort of um, poorly poorly uh, translated Japanese instruction manual sort of English as well. It's quite weird. Um, was he the right appointment? It's easy to say he should have appointed Bruce in hindsight. Um, Di Matteo's doesn't seem to be a bad manager, but they've got a squad that was all over the place, and it was a heck of a job for whoever went in. Um, and perhaps a safer pair of hands would have done. Like you, I have little time for Villa at the moment, just simply after the, the recent history between the two clubs and the last time we were relegated. And that, that I was in that convoy leaving Birmingham that day, and it wasn't particularly pleasant, and it lasts long in the memory. Um, I think Steve McLaren seems to loom large on the hi- on the on the horizon for them, uh, and, and best of best of British to them. Uh, though in that setup, he may be better. You never know because he seemed to he was okay-ish at Derby. Uh, I think you've, you've you've got to also understand him coming into the odd three-way power seat that he shared at Newcastle wasn't the right sort of way for him, and that's why. Now we've got Rafa, and I wake up every day and still really can't believe that that happened and still is happening. Um, who who controls everything and anything that that is to do with their own ball within the club, and it's a total world of difference. So uh, it, it depends on what kind of level of power he's given. Should he be appointed at Aston Villa for me? Mm. Well, yeah, it's, more erra- it's more erratic behaviour, isn't it, from from this guy, Doctor Tony Shear. Mm. The, the, the owner of, of Aston Villa. You do wonder, don't you, more generally, how much some of these new owners of, of football clubs really know about the game and how much feel they've got for the game. Because I honestly think that in quite a few instances, most of the fans of those clubs would do a better job. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, isn't it? That's very like... hard to argue again. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was being investigated because they weren't sure whether he actually was able to uh, be the right and proper person because I think there was a deal that went through and they weren't sure whether he would be allowed to, to be the chairman. And obviously it went through because he, he had to pay, I think he only paid £40 million. <laughs> You know, he only had to pay £40 million. <laughs> But um, and, and the thing is, he got in quite quickly. So um, you would think, see, this is the thing, Ian, I don't understand. When, to me, you buy something for chips which Villa basically as a club are chips, but um, with a bit of vinegar and all that stuff on it. But um, when you've got, um, you would think, okay, I'm going to be the chairman, but get somebody involved that can do, that hasn't got to get him involved. The same as what Mike Ashley's done with Rafa Benitez. What do you think, mm. Ian? Well, yeah, and uh, up, in, up in your area there as well, Mr. Gibson, uh, Middlesbrough, yeah. fantastic mm. chairman of the football mm. club. You know, he stood by his managers, his common sense, the way he runs the club there. And that's really how football clubs should be run. But now we have people who are going on Twitter or taking account of opinions that are being cast on Twitter, on radio phone-ins. You've got Leeds changing their manager, it seems, every five minutes. They were already talking about getting rid of yeah. Gary Monk after about two weeks of this season. Yeah, but was, the date, yeah. by the way, today is, is October the 3rd. <laughs> October <laughs> the 3rd. And the, uh, yeah. how, when did they appoint Di Matteo? Mateo? Sep- 
Um, so they've already decided that yeah. that decision that they took was a hopeless decision. Mm. So what were they doing when they made the decision? Do they believe he's the right guy or don't they? Or do they change their opinion every time there's an, another result? Is he a great guy next week if they win 4-0 away somewhere? And then he's a bad guy the next week because they lost 2-1 at home. There's too much knee-jerk reaction to every result. You've got to believe you've got the right guy. Like the guys, people at Burnley who knew that Sean Dyche was a great manager, even though they got relegated. They stuck with him. What happened the next season? They got yeah, promoted back to the Premier League. And I think they're going to stay in the Premier League, by the way. Yeah, I think... It, do you think the social... Obviously, we've got... I think social media... Like, you know, Newcastle uh, uh, drew a game... Um, I can't remember. Neil will probably know this one. They drew, they drew, we drew a game and it was like... <laughs> It was, it was like the world was coming to an end, and mm. um, you know, even people on on Twitter, social media, there was starting of a pop at at Rafa and all all the changes. Um, but you've got, isn't it strange, isn't it? When you look at Di Matteo, you look at Rafa Benitez. Rafa Benitez has got so much experience and he's been con continuously in a job. Di Matteo has been out in out shaking all about do the hokey cokey for a long, long time. He's been in different parts of the world, but he comes back. But he's a, he's a young fella. But mm. it's interesting when you've got that when you've got that much experience in a body of work. It is completely crazy because considering when the amount of people that Aston Villa brought into the club and then when they got sold, they all left before the start of the season, and then obviously brought in Di Matteo. You know the. the they're going about things the wrong way, and plus, you know, the players don't seem didn't seem to understand how to play. But even saying that, they drew with Newcastle. Yeah, but their results have been awful. They're already what is it, mm. ten points adrift of the mm. the playoff positions. Yeah, Aston Villa. They've spent yeah. something like fifty million pounds. They've got yeah. Ross McCormick there. They mm. spent fifteen million pounds on was it Jonathan Khadija, uh, James Chester, Neil mm. Yedinak from Crystal Palace, Tommy Elphick. Uh, came from Bournemouth, I think it was. Um, so you know, they've spent some money there, and they're just not getting the results. But you know, if they thought Di Matteo, Matteo was the right guy, they should stick with him because they must believe that he would get it right. But they don't believe that, obviously. And now they'll go to somebody else, and who knows? By January, they might make another change. <laughs> it's interesting because when you look at the, the choices out there, there are quite good choices out there for them to, to bring somebody in. Uh, Big Sam, <laughs> I'll tell you one thing: we could be on we could be on here all night, couldn't we? But like, um, give me your thoughts on that one because that one, I personally don't think it was a sackable offence. But you tell me what you're thinking, then Neil can come in. I'm actually with you on that because what what does this actually boil down to? He was in a conversation with a non-existent company talking to people who were trying to set him a trap and trying to lead him into indiscretions. Now, you can say that what he said was quite odious, maybe even contemptible. Maybe you can say, what's he doing being this greedy and wanting more money when he's already on three million pounds a year? But I'm with you. I, don't th I think the FA should have stuck by their man. I think they should have wrapped him over the knuckles. They should have made a statement saying, we're not happy with this. We've told Sam Allardyce this. 
and told him that, that you know this going forward things have to be conducted on a, on a better level but it was entrapment it it, it isn't a real offense he was to, it was based on a conversation um so i think the fa should have been stronger here and i and i do think they're more concerned with their media image and they're talking about the fa and, and everybody's got to be a shining beacon we're getting to the point aren't we with the england manager where really the only the only the archbishop of canterbury should apply but it does start to seem uh, like that doesn't it a, a, a little bit i don't think i mean in the current climate i'm not surprised it, it, it went the way it did in the end for, for Sam Allardyce with it this, did. because that we we live in a world where everything has to be politically correct, and we are a nation of, of professional take offences at things. <laughs> uh, so I'm not surprised it turned out the way it did, but I'm a, uh, I think there's a lot of Canton hypocrisy in this, and I'm not sure really the punishment quite fits the crime. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a real difficult one. It's almost like he's He's being made to pay for past hints and allegations rather than the, the current situation. Uh, and there's all, I've also seen suggestion that somebody within the FA has taken a look at the situation and they've had second thoughts and just used it as an excuse to push, push the button, um, which I think is possibly that would, would suggest that Tony Zia is in charge of the FA as well as Aston Villa. To me, it, it, that would be exceptionally knee-jerk. Um, I think that the, 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 you're right, some of the comments were, were certainly bang out of order, taking the mick out of the way Roy Hudson spoke. Um, but you know what, if he'd, if he'd actually been pulled to one side, been made to issue an apology, been made an issue an apology to, to, to Roy Hodgson, uh, and, and done the mea culpa and took the forelock a bit, I'm quite sure by this time next week it would genuinely be tomorrow's chip paper and they'd be talking about something else. Um, was I convinced personally that Sam Allardyce was the right man for the England job? Well, no. And maybe too many people within the, in the FA weren't convinced too when they've seen it as an opportunity to push the button. That's just my take on it. It just seems like an opportunistic move by some people within the FA to get rid of a candidate they didn't want in the first place. But if you're right about that, Neil, that sounds astonishing mm. because that he'd only had one match yes. since he was appointed. Yeah. So uh, you actually believe, do you, that... They'd already it, got I've, second thoughts I've, about I've, him I've, I've as a football that, that the reaction to the first game was, was negative and that the reaction to the style of play in the first game was negative and that some people within the FA had got cold feet. Now, how much is in that? I don't know. Do I believe that? Nah, I don't know. But when we've got people like, again, Tony's here, prepared to pull the trigger in Aston Villa after so few games, when you've got managers going out the door as you say, it's October the 3rd. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who's to say that now doesn't run throughout the whole game? Because as you rightly say, Ian, the FA is all about the image of the FA and what the FA is about is about the FA. And, and if they think that that image and that their brand, for want of a better word, mm -hmm. is being tarnished in such a, such a way, I think they'll do anything to protect that. And I think well, that's the same of anybody within <laughs> football where there's money to be made and money to be had these days, will do the same thing. Yeah, you may, you may well be right, but um, I just think things need to be run with 
common sense. Really, yes. I don't. I don't think there has to be this big drastic reaction. But as I say, I'm not surprised that there has been, and I can't. I can't quarrel with the decision for him to go. But mm. for me, and I can only speak for myself, I don't think it was a, a sacking offence. No, no mm. I agree. I think uh, the the one thing, it, the interesting thing, wasn't it, was how Redknapp. <laughs> this is this is a difference between um, being. Like putting something into context, he says he had that meeting with 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 those guys who tried to entrap him, and he said at the end of the meal he had to pay for the meal because the other fellas in the meeting ran off, and he he, he just went on. He says, "Oh, they stiff me for the bill as well, the buggers," and he, and, it, and just with that comment, all the heat that he had against him went away, just because he said. He made it, you know. He was just being probably quite real because, you know, when you when you when it when it, when somebody's trying to give you a job, even if it's non-existent, uh, you would think they would, you know, they would buy the the, the champagne, they'll get the truffles, the caviar, and the poor bloke had to pay for the meal himself. Absolutely <laughs> <laughs> quality. I don't know. Well, but I mean, uh, at the heart um, of all this is in, is the whole subject of investigative journalism, which yeah. is a noble art form and has exposed a lot of crooks over the years, and long may it continue that there are great journalists who can hang people out to dry when they are guilty of wrongdoing. But all I would say is, if there are people who are corrupt in football, let's, let's those investigative journalists expose what they have really done, not set, set traps in this case. Because I think the Daily Telegraph need to come out and explain why it is they did set a trap against the England manager. Yeah, I think in his mm. press conference he did turn around, you know, at the end of the press conference says, come and get me, lads. <laughs> he, oh, did, he, he did say that, you know. Club. Well, he'll probably be back in work by, by January, won't he? Because there'll be clubs panicking like mad down towards the bottom of the Premier League who are thinking, Sam will get us out of it like he did Sunderland last year. Talked about Sunderland. I'm bringing in Keith, uh, who's one of our regular guests on the show. Uh, good evening, Keith. And you've got Ian Dark in the studio. So, what's your thoughts on Sunderland, and uh, what do you think? Um, how uh, the Big Sam has affected um, him, him leaving Sunderland, Keith? Well, obviously, we've had the chat during the summer. It was slightly disappointing when you think he more or less got poached from us, and it was a bit acrimonious the way the FA handled it. Uh, Sam, Sam just kept his head down, but uh, I find it quite unusual now with the week that's unfolded. I get the point there about entrapment, etc., and I made a little joke online about when Sam says it was a victory for entrapment, well, that's one more victory than Sunderland had the Premier League was me banter, but so realistically, <laughs> we polished up his CV last year. He came in, like you rightly said, we got him round about this time last year with similar points, and he had no transfer window, so he, he worked well with what he had. He didn't win just like the current Mr. Moyes is saying, oh, I only had a short window. Sam came in with zero window, relatively small budget. His actual dealings in January were great. Coney mm-hmm. was a good signing. Obviously, he was headhunted for 20 plus million off Everton, you know. Kirchhoff, mm-hmm. uh, all right, dodgy um, uh, debut, sorry, and then a, a dodgy last couple of weeks, but he, he's been proved to be a good signing for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Sam done well in January, you know. Kasri had a good uh, end of season as well in a bottom team. So he had a good January window. He was loved by the fans. Mm-hmm. So his, his personality went 
like massively through the roof. So he's sort of reinventing himself in no time at all. Now, 12 months ago, he was thinking about staying in retirement mm-hmm. and maybe not taking the job. He was enticed back with a big salary and he, he got the job he's always dreamt of. I find it amazing, uh, not just for the money he was on, but even turned up to such an interview, you know, I found that quite amazing. But, you know, he's been and gone, he's done whatever he's done, he held his hands up pretty quickly to whatever he was caught in. I think he's obviously admitted it was really bad, so he's moved on. And unfortunately, Sunderland haven't moved on much further since he left, but, uh, you know, we've got Moyes there. It just slightly disappointing the whole summer that we had, you know, would he have been chased and would he have been packed if he'd still been Sunderland manager? I don't know. But his reputation had went before him. They had to have a reason why they were witch-hunting him. And you know what it is? He fell into his own trap. What an idiot, you know. He was told to tread carefully and he didn't. So he's got himself to blame, no matter whether he was trapped in whatever fashion. Only what's himself to blame. What's your thoughts, Neil, on, on Sunday? Because it's a... Hey, I'll tell you one thing. You, 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 you can't write this stuff, can you, Ian? No. No, you can't write it. Um, Sunderland... I don't know. Can they escape again against the odds? I'm not sure they can, you know, with the team they've got this time around. Obviously, Sam Allardyce did do a great job. Um, I think Kierkoff was a, a fantastic signing last season, sitting there as a defensive midfield player. He, he was at Bayern Munich and a reserve at Bayern Munich. He came on a couple of times. I saw him in Champions League games. Did okay with them too. So that, that was a very smart bit of business. Of course, he, got, he put his arm around Defoe, and he got the very best out of Defoe, and he made sure that there were chances set up for Defoe last year. I look at that team this year, and I, I just wonder, you just wonder where the next win's coming from with them, don't you? Unless somebody can work something pretty quickly. Yeah, it's. It's. I think. Uh, what do you. What do you. What do you think about Moyes? Because I think uh, everybody seems to have a bugbear, especially Keith on when it comes to Moyes. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting hey, kettle of fish, isn't it? I'd, like I've said every week, I'd love to flick the coin and have a different story the following week. You know, because mm. I'll blow hot and cold with him. I want to be hot for him. I want him to manage every team for God's sake. So mm. we've got to support him. But he, he just doesn't inspire us. Forgetting that second week comment in. You, you know, you've got your way you, you would expect this to be because you've been here for four years in a row. One thing that's um, got, and I've mentioned this a couple of times on this show, Jonas Cabral wasn't some superstar central defender, and Sam had him defending correctly mm-hmm. by the turn of the year. So when his additions came in as well, Cabral looked like the finished article as well, you know. Or he wasn't going to be getting headhunted by any Champions League team, but he was mm-hmm. certainly a, a rock solid central defender. Uh, Patrick Van Hornholt's got his frailties at the back, but he got goals out of him, and that's continued. So Sam was like getting something that I can't see Moyes doing, to be honest, even forgetting transfer windows. He just doesn't have that motivational skill now. Saturday had gone. He, he put on O'Shea and Gilabodji, who's not been a bad player to look at. He's got a bit about him, but way too young, way too inexperienced for a team that's struggling. So he put a wise head in, and uh, Ndong, the new signing who had a decent game, I thought, again, not a worldly game, but he had a decent game, he blew up at one stage, Moyes was sitting in the dugout, whereas Sam wouldn't have been sitting in the dugout, by the way, mm-hmm. he would have been on there and organising it and solving the two people having an issue, but it was all shared, he was the level-headed one, calmed things down and got them reorganised again. That's where Allardyce was missing, and that's where Bracewell will sit down, and so will Moyes. So I feel that 
I don't know where it is. He's got the offer and how he got Everton to switch heights because I'm not seeing it so far and nobody else is because we've been televised a few times already mm-hmm. and then the highlights that you get to see on match of the day, they don't make uh, pleasant watching and that, I don't know, Sam was a lot of motivation. He didn't bring in huge signings. You know, we're talking about getting the best, like you just said, they got the best out of the four, but it wasn't just the headline grabber, the goals. He had other players across the park playing well and... Uh, I don't say it for Moyes, that's what's disappointing. And his press conference is, oh, well, I just switch off then. That's just uh, <laughs> something I don't want to hear. What do you think, uh, Ian? Because when you look at, when you look at Sunderland, uh, you know, everybody, I actually thought it was a quite a good appointment by Moyes, but he seems to have been gone backwards. But uh, I suppose with Sunderland, it's, not, it's never going to be a quick fix, is it? Well, his career is, is quite strange, isn't it? Because... You can't take away what he did with Everton. He had them punching above their weight every year for a decade or so. He had them, I think one year they finished fourth. They were in the Champions League and they had the playoff with Villarreal. They ran into a good team and got knocked out of it. But they were in the top eight every season. He seemed to really know his way around. He had them tough to beat, organized. But I don't know, you know, then he got the Manchester United job. And it seemed the job was too big for him. It wasn't easy going in after Sir Alex. Then he goes to Raul Sociedad, and, and, and that didn't work out either. And you just wonder whether that has somehow maybe just undermined his confidence at this point in the game of his management career. Does he know what he's doing? Of course he knows what he's doing. Has he got the players to get himself out of trouble? I would doubt that at the moment. But, you know... You, you can't take away what he's done, and um, I think January is important, but January might be too late. They, start, they need to start winning the game or two pretty quickly, don't they? And, and, and you know, you're right, you look around the team, maybe there's a bit too much inexperience. They're promising young players like Denia, who they raved a bit about at Manchester Gooch. City. McNair, they bought McNair and Love. That worried me a little bit because they weren't getting a kick. Mm at Manchester United were they ready for that Rodwell's been a bit of a constant disappointment despite being a you know, very promising kid at Everton it hasn't happened for him and then you know you're relying on people like Watmore who's promising but still quite inexperienced Kasri hasn't really done it there the lad Gooch has come in sometimes doesn't he the American boy so is there enough real tough experience and leadership and quality in that team I don't think there is at the moment what do you think, uh, Keith? Because that interesting names well, that he brings up there. <laughs> that sounds like a press up for David Moyes, given all the reasons why we are shite. The reality is, it's something I see week in, week out. We start a season every season with possibly seven players who I'd be happy with, and you need a squad. If even not, not, I know you have a squad named up to 25, but you'd be happy with like 16, 17 of them being on rotation, covering suspensions, injuries, etc. We've got seven that I'd happily put in as a first teamer. I don't see a replacement coming in. Some as we've got 11 and two or three to drop into positions should there be an injury or suspension. We've got about seven who I would genuinely rate, not biased as a Sunderland fan, I would think, oh God, another club would actually happily have them in the team. I'm thinking about seven or eight guys each season, which leaves with Red Bay. And he did spend money, eight on Jilla Bodgy, five on um, Love, 
Uh, you've spent what was it, thirteen point whatever it was rumoured at for Endong. You know he, he hasn't had zero money to spend. He brought in uh, Love and McNair. I just think he failed to get a few people uh, on deadline day. So that Denier, I've got to be honest. Hey, you, you would think he's run with lead in his boots on Saturday afternoon. I don't know what he has been doing. Looks like he's been DJing with his haircut because he hasn't been playing football. Uh, so the promise some of these guys have to pluck out. There's a reason why we're getting them. Nobody else is wanting them. You know, there isn't a massive queue waiting to jump on the flight to land at Sunderland Airport and come and sign for us. It's just not happening, is it? So the guys we are getting, well, you know, they're, they're obviously second rate in their current team. Even well, a little star man, you would think, you know, when he came as uh, Yanazai, man, you will not let him go because he has got promise. But he's, he's lightweight, so he kind of do it, you know, and, and we're talking about we're scrapping it in the football style, for one, and the bottom end league, so we've always got a battle. He's a luxury player, so who are we getting, you know, I mean, yeah, it's I delight him, but he just hasn't got enough. And then bloody hell, lo and behold, he's injured as well. <laughs> so, look, we're beset with problems, and you're dead right, I think, about Moyes. You kind of take away what he's done at Everton, but that was a good few seasons ago now, and I've said on this same radio show, I think he's lost his mojo and his stuffing, and I think some of these managers, they're not, they're not I don't think, uh, mercenaries, but you'll be thinking, well, hey, look, if it fails, I've got a healthier bank balance, and they're all treating it like a job somewhat, and they come up here and they just jump, jump on a gravy train somewhat. If it works out great, his CV's repaired. If it doesn't, his bank account's enhanced. I'm not sure I agree with that. I think, to be fair to David Moyes, I think he hopes beyond hopes, and he's a real football man, and he loves football, and there's nothing he would rather do, and I think he'd sweat blood to keep Sunderland up and and maybe give his reputation the the coat of paint it deserves. Uh, I I don't think it's fair to say that he's just there to to boost his his bank balance. I think he's bigger than that. He's I better than know. that. I just, I, I think his problem though. is, he, 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 I'm not sure that, like you said, I don't think the signings have been especially yeah. good so far. And you mentioned Yanazai there, he, yeah. he, and that's an important one because you know he's used him a lot uh, as as the main creative spark, but he is a bit lightweight. And and all the stories you heard from Old Trafford were from ex-players and people who've been around the camp there. Mm. I've heard it. His attitude wasn't right, and that's mm. why he didn't make it at Old Trafford. Mm. Well, yeah, so I, I, how many, I'll just how many players did he bring in? He brought in ten, right, uh, Keith? He brought ten players in it to Sunderland. Moyes. Yeah. Yes, but you're talking about some of them after the window had closed. You know, you, you, yeah. you count the ten people like uh, keep our reserve that Mika due to an injury. You know, you're talking about Denier coming in after the window. We're talking about these are emergencies to some mm-hmm. degree. So you're talking out and out choice signings of David, David Moyes, you've got a handful who have made it on across the white line, you know, to play, you're talking about five or six, so you can forget the number ten, he hasn't signed ten guys, first teamers, and some of them have been disappointing, but just backtracking there on the Moyes situation, what I'm saying is, I, I don't think he's come like a mercenary, I was looking for the right words, but at the end of the day as well, the Failure is still rewarded. The Sam Allardyce in case as well, if we're going that far back in the sense mm. we've had, he gets a million for failing. These guys at the top now, you know, they can come and I'm sure he does want to do well because I feel he's lost his mojo, as what I've said on previous shows. Mm. Stuffing's been knocked on. He's desperate for his CV to improve. Mm. But the downside is, if it doesn't turn on by Christmas, 
what's the worst that happens? You get a salary more than any of us guys can dream of, you know, mm-hmm. week in, week out. So it's win-win for them, even though I know his preferred option is to actually have success. Mm-hmm. Failure is not expensive to them. It's expensive to the fans and stuff that's left behind, you know. Ian, the thing is, I think uh, what Keith is saying as well, I look at David Moyes, what do you think? I know he's a, he's a football man, but you know the one thing I've noticed is that there's a seems to be, the one thing about him, he's affable, he talks well, he comes across well, but there just seems a, a lack of, like, like Keith says, mojo, but there seems to be a lack of fire like like a real underbelly of something. Like obviously you you've met him a few times, I presume. So what what do you think? What do you think? Because he just doesn't come across that he's that he's he's got that real oomph that he had at Everton to me anyway. Well, that that is a question, and I think it's yeah. a, a fair question. I don't think it, it's shooting below the belt yeah. with that. Whether he still has, you can put it whatever you say, the mojo. Whether that fire still burns. Whether he still has that same confidence in himself, I think is an important issue because I think what happened to him at Old Trafford really rocked him. Mm. He was the man, after all, that Sir Alex Ferguson recommended to the Manchester United board. This is the guy who should take over. This is the guy who can handle it and take Manchester United on now that I've gone. And it went horribly wrong for him Mm. with big players who'd won titles and... Manchester United misfired horribly. They did it again with Louis van Gaal, to be, to be fair to David Moyes. But he is in a position now where he does need to restore his reputation, rightly or wrongly. And at the moment, it, it just isn't happening for him. And, and I, I do wonder, I do think that is uh, the, the key thing. His self-confidence must have been rocked by developments. What do you think, Keith? Because on the, on the, on the sideline... And I've seen him on the sideline. He used to go berserk at Everton. He he would be like running. You know, he would be going absolutely off his box to try and get the players in a certain way. And I've watched him. There's I don't see much going on there. He doesn't seem to be like dragging. If you look at Rafa, we haven't talked much about Rafa. And it's, it's a Newcastle show. But when you look at the difference in the the mentality, in the push, and the in the pull, you don't see that with Moyes, do you? Well, again, I. <laughs> to me point with Sam he was passionate and mm. I don't know what it is that, that David has got compared to Sam or hasn't got he must have some technical skills and he has got a love for football that's how he's got, had a career in the game mm. but on Saturday gone as a prime example the guy who I can't stand in the technical area of any Premier League manager is that tramp Tony Pulis he turns up and he's <laughs> And he's brand new white trainer from Sports Direct. He's long field trainers. It's like <laughs> 10 pairs for a fiver. And he's tracky buttons on me. He always looks like a tramp, you know. But he kicked every mm, ball. Yeah. He organised West Brom. We robbed them on Saturday, no doubt about it. And, and you've got to be honest, when you're walking into a fixture... Hello, are you there, Andrew? Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, my battery's just going low. When okay. you're going into a fixture at home, even after a bad run, you've got to be fancying West Bromwich at home as one of your wins. No, I agree. And he didn't get that. Now, Pulis kicked the ball, every ball, every issue was ran down, he's reorganising. There was times, like I said earlier in this chat, there was issues on our, on our defence, on midfield, where they broke up. Moyes wasn't even in his technical area, he was just letting mm. the lads sort out himself. 
and that was excitement. I know you see highlights, even if you watch stuff on like, uh, live match televised, I'm virtually, you know, a few rows back from Moy, so I'm seeing everything firsthand. You know, even these decisions that were on substitutions, he seems to be overloading them with instructions. He's got them standing under the dugout shelter for three, four minutes at a time before he puts the sub on. The sub comes on, but he's got a head full of instructions. I'm just thinking, sometimes it just needs to pat on the back and see go grab as a goal or mm. firm up the defence or something, you know, because Monday to Friday is a training and they're going to come on for X, Y, or Z play. You know, you're not going to throw a defender on X, Y, and play in Defoe's role. So the guy must have a brief on how to play across the back four of the centre midfield. And he's spending ages and ages to just make an impact. And I don't know what it is, but what I haven't seen it firsthand. I just have not seen him do it. And I think, given the squad we've got, this isn't the job to repair his reputation. I think he's been flattered by the offer. Uh, Sam had done well, and he probably thought the club was in better shape than it actually was, and it's not. Uh, so I don't think he's been sold short, but I think he had higher hopes to actually open his eyes to, and he's he's struggling. He's just totally struggling out of his depth at the moment. It would appear. Pre turns around. I say this every week, but he just every week goes by, and it just seems to be harder and harder that mountain to climb. You know, yeah. pinched the point on Saturday, but hardly morale boosting really. Well, you've got the international break coming up, uh, Keith, so you never know what will happen. We'll, obviously, we'll be back in a couple of weeks, but thanks for coming on, Keith. I know the battery's no going. No problem. Yeah, no, no, I'm powered up now, but look, enjoy the rest of show. I'll see you after the international break, yeah. Spot okay, on, thanks, Andrew. Keith, mate. Cheers, Ian. Bye now, bye. Cheers, Cheers. then. Bye. Cheers. Uh, it, the, getting back to, uh, you know, the thing about Sunderland, when you when you look at them, when you... That, that's 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 the analogy, isn't it? Big Sam had them ready, had them prepared. He he, he knew what they were doing, and that's the thing, isn't it? The, the the fear the fear for all fans of teams that are in trouble. Ian is the fact that with this charge that he's lost his job, you can't. You know, you, there's been rumours that they're going to try and ban him for life. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with that. I, I can't see it coming to that. Really, uh, I I don't think it's going to come to him being banned for life, I think that would come down to restraint of trade, wouldn't mm-hmm. it? I, and maybe he can, he'll have an, some kind of FA charge, but that would be the FA almost justifying their own decision. Mm-hmm. Now, I think Sam Allardyce will be back in football, and I, I have a reasonable guess that I think he might well be back in football by the end of the season, somewhere back in, back in club management again, because I don't think he'll want to end his career mm-hmm. like that. I really don't. I think um, I actually think because he he thinks a lot of himself, which I've, I think in this game you've got to. Um, you can. He, I wouldn't be surprised that he he, would, he might wait to go back into international management with maybe a lower a lower grade of team, like you know, like a Jordan um, or a Cyprus, wherever it is, Gibraltar for God's sake, could be anybody, couldn't it? But um, you know, I think it's whetted his appetite. The, the, the hardest thing is that you see these videos coming out now of when he was in the job and he had to talk about England and he's, 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 he so loved that job and it would be absolutely appalling really after one game that they, they sacked him and it could be on the basis of they, didn't, they weren't happy with the style of play when quite clearly they knew what they were getting, Ian. Yeah, I don't think it was that. I, I don't think it was because yeah, of so. the style of play. There'd been one game against Slovakia, and mm-hmm. after all, they won it. Okay, it was in the 95th minute, but they won it. It wasn't a great performance, but 
three points in the bag, start of the qualifying campaign. Now, I don't think it was that. I think it was all to do with the sting from the Daily Telegraph and the FA not happy with him being the right image going forward, and they took the decision to, to, to let him go. I mean, I am a bit surprised that a man that experienced would be quite as foolish and naive mm-hmm. as to get into these kind of conversations because really his antennae should have been up straight away. Who are these people? What are we mm-hmm. do- dealing with here? Should have said to his agent, are we quite sure about all of this? So I'm, I'm amazed really that they, they pulled off this thing. Yeah, I think I've got, to, I've got to give you one comment which is probably quite near the edge, but um, somebody's just tweeted, Phil McNulty just said, Bob Bradley's appointment not just vitally important for Swansea City, but for US football. If he does well, credibility rises instantly. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure I, I agree with that, because uh, uh, US football is, is what it is. It's making its way. Major League Soccer is getting bigger. The crowds average about 18,000. Know, the standard isn't up there with the Premier League or anything like that. The USA get to every World Cup now, and they usually get to the knockout stages of it and I think last time they made a they made a lot of friends so I think whether Bob Bradley fails or doesn't <laughs> Swansea is, isn't going to be the sort of uh, the, the be all and end all for USA football I know I know where he's coming from with that know, comment yeah. yes it would be a feather in the cap that an American could come in and do a job in the in the Premier League and I think he's got half a chance of doing that mm, yeah it's, it's going to be interesting with all the the movers and shakers going on in the league uh, Probably the first time we talk about Rafa tonight. Actually, we're now we're in. But um, with Rafa Benitez, uh, have you been quite as startled as what a lot of Newcastle fans have been uh, with the, the way that um, he's he's gone about the job and he's completely changed the whole uh, the club from back to front by getting everybody on side, uh, which uh, has led to Mike Ashley taking a major back seat uh, in the club. Well, it's exactly what needed to happen, isn't mm. it? And Rafa Benitez is the guy with the power to make it happen. Maybe some of the previous people who were there couldn't quite pull that off. But Rafa Benitez is the guy that won the, the Champions League, isn't he? And titles in, in Spain. Um, they desperately needed him to stay when they got relegated. He did stay, but he obviously stayed on the condition that he would run things and he would sort it out. Leave it to me. That's exactly what he's done. And I think Newcastle United, I know nobody dare really shout it from any rooftops mm-hmm. up there on Tyneside. <laughs> I think Newcastle United are a rock-solid bet to come back up under Rafa Benitez. And when they do come back up, I think they're going to be much more of a power and start to really you know, shoot properly in the Premier League, like they should have done these last few years, when the place, frankly, has been a mess and it seemed like a mutiny. And when you start hearing stuff about how the local papers are banned from <laughs> reporting or going in the ground, that is absolutely crazy. And Newcastle United is a great club with great, knowledgeable fans who love it to death. And they should be up there fighting for the top top four or six. And I think under Rafa Benitez, give him a year or two, they might be. I think, Ian, I think you've hit the nail on the head in one respect. The, 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 the entire way the club conducts its business has changed under Rafa from the way they, even down to the way they handle their social media accounts, the way they interact with fans, the way they reach out to fans. And I think that's what's, what, what we've needed for 
quite a long time underneath the, the, the Asha regime. There's been a disconnect. And one of the first things he's done is put that connection back. Um, and, and I think that's added to the whole air of positivity. Um, as I said, said it almost straight at the start of the show, I still can't believe every day you get up and you think, oh yeah, Rafa Benitez is my manager. And you, you kind of sit in, in this little dream world almost like, oh, this is really happening. Yeah, uh, and then yeah. you get, get things like the Norwich result, which was just uh, the, one of the craziest 90 seconds ever. Um, and even down to grinding out the result of the weekend, which I think far more important for me is that to grind that out, because uh, they're, I think they're the wins that get you promoted, not necessarily just the the crazy four threes in 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 injury time, you know. Yeah, absolutely, uh, spot on with that. Because in a, in the course of a league season, the point I was making earlier about mm. the knee jerk reaction to uh, to different results. There will be setbacks and there'll be bad little periods where things don't go quite the way you want. That's just in the nature of the beast in a league season. But I think over the 46 games, it looks to me, looking through that Newcastle team and squad and the whole feel of the place, that they will get it right and and they will go up. Gosh, we only hope so. Uh, I think the one thing I would say is I think we're we're all under no illusions when we, we came down at how tough the task at hand was. And I think uh, after the, the, the one bit of perspective I'll put on the last month that we have, that was supposed to be well, hell month. That was supposed to be the, 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 the tester. And I think we've come through it very well. And now, now we've got an opportunity to really build from there. Um, and I've been impressed with... The, the, we, we've discussed this on and off over the last few weeks about do you stick with a settled side or do you rotate? And mm-hmm. Rafa seems very keen to rotate. And again, that paid off at the weekend. That goal from Atsu was an absolute perler. Um, and what value that at the end of the season? You just never know. Yeah. I think Matt Ritchie, by the way, was a fantastic bit of business yes. for Newcastle. I couldn't believe Bournemouth let him go because he's a Premier League footballer. So that was, that was a tremendous piece of work, I think, by uh, Rafa Benitez and, and Newcastle United to get him. But that point you make is a good one about just occasionally you do have to just gouge out an away result mm. somewhere. You bump into some team who are here to, you know, because Newcastle are, are there to be shot at, aren't they, a little bit. Every time Newcastle come and play you, every away game, or even the home games, oh. they're, they're, they're there to be toppled and shot at. I mean, I follow Portsmouth in, in League Two, you know, and everybody's fallen in love with the, the club again because it's run by the supporters. But every team that comes there, it's like a cup final to them. So yeah. it, it's, hard to, it's hard for them to get out of that division. And maybe Newcastle will find that a bit because every home game at St. James's Park, the opposition players are thinking, hey, you know, this is, this, 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 <laughs> we're really up for this. Let's, let's see if we can knock over the big boys here. Yeah, I was going to say, we've got Steve Hasty on the line. Um, any questions for Ian, uh, uh, Steve? Steve. Steve, are you there? It's not Steve, like. Oh, it's Lee. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Lee. It's Lee Johnson. Go ahead, Lee. Got any <laughs> questions for, for Ian? You're absolutely dope. <laughs> hey, he's on full I haven't really got any questions. I've just been listening intently to his, you know, his, um, his opinions on various things. It's like, um, like it's, I think with the the Rafa the Rafa situation, Ian. It's and um, it's been interesting the way that I think 
um, the, the way people's reactions before when Steve McLaren was here, and then the complete 180 when you've got Ruth Rafa, uh, you know, with the football not being, a, you know, it's very hard to watch the championship. Um, I think I'm surprised. Actually, the one thing is Newcastle aren't on weekly. Are you surprised at that? I, I thought they'd be on at least, you know, once a week, just just for the fact that the, what, what they bring to the table here. I don't know what the television deal says. I think it dictates that mm. every club has to have a decent crack of it so they can't just keep showing the same teams all the time. I think you'll find as the promotion race boils towards its climax in the later stages of the season that Newcastle will probably be on quite a bit. Yeah, probably. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on, Ian. Thanks very much for coming on. It's the longest guest ever on the show. I do oh, appreciate right. it. And I would love to have you on again quite soon because we've discussed everything. So it's been tremendous. Thanks very much. Thank you. Pleasure. Thanks, Ian. Thank Take care. Take care. Bye. Cheers, now. Bye-bye. A great heaven, Ian. Oh, my God. We could have went on, 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 on. Sorry, sorry, Liat. Box office. Absolute <laughs> box office. Loved that. That was brilliant. Brilliant. Wasn't it? Yeah. So, so, Lee... What's what's it been? What's it felt like for you for uh, the, the last week, with people starting to get a bit of rest coming on? And but the last two wins uh, have been magnificent for the whole for the whole farm base, haven't it? Uh, I mean, uh, people just people just need to sometimes I think chill out. Um, you know, I mean, people are getting wound up. I went out. I think I think you just need to sit back and let Rafa get on with his job. Uh, you know, I'm. I've said it many a time. I'm I'm very comfortable with who we have as manager, and I believe he's trying to do the best things uh, for the club. And that's this isn't just with the first team. He's trying to he's tr- he's trying to renew the whole club, and it was never ever 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 going to happen happen overnight. But was I, was I confident that he would that he would look to knit together a squad of players that would do um, basically which which what is what he'll have in his mind this season one target. One target only, and that is getting Newcastle out of this league. It doesn't matter where we finished first, second, playoffs, and we gum up. Because that's all it's about this season, and that's getting out of this league. And, of course, we've won two games this week, uh, both quite different. Um, Norwich was a bizarre game. We were actually outstanding. The first 40 minutes, we literally destroyed them. We could have been 4 or 5 nil up. Um, they get the penalty. The second half starts, it was quite flat. They score a world, uh, wonder goal, um, and then they score a goal which takes a massive deflection and goes in the goes in the middle of the goal, and I'm kind of looking around thinking, how are we 3-1 down to these? Mm. But we persevered, we got back in, it. the fans actually did stick with the players, um, even though there was a lot of morons leaving on 85 minutes when it was 3-2, I was looking around thinking, where are you gone? What is wrong with you? And then, obviously, I was rewarded by sitting in my seat, even though my throat's absolutely still butchered because of it. And then we go to Rotherham. I was there on Saturday, and it was a very different performance. We were solid. We were difficult to break down. They must have had about 15 or 16, a cor- 16 corners. We defended them well. Lascelles and Kieran Clark, who's been outstanding the last two, the last three games, um, in particular, they headed everything. And we were a solid unit. We... I would say pretty much every player was a solid 7 or 8 or 9 out of 10 and we got the job done and, you know, we're going to the international break in good spirits. As Neil's just pointed out a couple of minutes ago, there we're almost talking about this being our most difficult period and we are sitting pretty. And if we approach every game in the right manner in the next couple of weeks, we'll certainly wrap up with quite a few points, I think. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's the thing about uh, Newcastle, isn't it? It's... If, it's it's amazing the the difference, isn't it? When you look at look what's happened to 
to Aston Villa who haven't really got a plan, who've never had a plan from the start of the season. And you look at Rafa Benitez, who obviously, again, a Champions League winner, and you've got Di Matteo. Talk about doing things arse first. It's, it's, it's quite incredible that they'll bring somebody on, like with Di Matteo, and it, the players don't seem to understand what's going on. I think it's a little bit difficult. I think it's a bit uh, difficult to mention Dimitrio and Rafa Benitez in the same breath. To be fair, um, Dimitrio picked up a very, very, very good Chelsea side who had kind of lost its way, and I think he was there about six months, and he and he managed to win them the Champions League. But I, I think, if I remember back rightly, it was a set of circumstances where everything seemed to just fall into place. Um, he hasn't really done a great deal after that. Um, I think Villa have been a bit knee-jerk there, mind uh, you know, uh, Villa's results have been mostly draws. I think they've drawn a lot of games. They've considered a you know last-minute goals, but I do think it's a bit knee-jerk. But I, I certainly wouldn't be comparing Rafa Benitez and then Roberto Di Matteo. We are very, very fortunate. We have. I'm sorry, I, I'll keep saying it. I, I wake up in the morning and think, how the hell is he our manager? Um, <laughs> that I am. I, I, that's why I get a little bit perturbed when I see people questioning what he's doing. Of course, everyone's got an opinion. Everyone's got mm. an opinion. There was yep. a burp in front of me at the match on Saturday, man. He was on, he was on Darmy. He was on Darmy for the moment the game kicked off. And if Darmy, <laughs> and if Darmy wasn't doing it, then he was looking for Dummett, the two people who were easy to pick out. And I find it absolutely frightening that people are doing this. Like, and I'm just looking, gun. Why? What is wrong with you, man? You burp. Just let him get. Let, you know. Like for example, Dummett, you know, towards the end of last season, uh, when we finished six unbeaten, there was the back four was him, Lascelles, him, Lascelles, uh, and Bender, and um, Anita, and you know, we were keeping clean sheets. We were keeping clean sheets. We were playing well. We were, we were making it hard for teams like Man City, Tottenham, and Liverpool, who were in part of that six-game unbeaten mm-hmm. run. Dummett defensively is sound. There's nothing wrong with him defensively. I think people want more from him going forward because every time you pass him the ball he does have a tendency to take a touch just because he's not he's not a, what I would class as a comfortable footballer but ask him to do his job which is defending that's what he does so I have no problem with him whatsoever I do actually think he's a better centre-half than he is a, a full-back because yes in the modern game people want more from their full-backs they want them to actually be as good going as forward as they are defensively but, but ultimately if you look at it if you look at Dummett Defensively, he's always solid. He, he never lets you down. He always puts in a shift in. But yeah, we've got players who get picked out by the fan base. Darmy's getting picked out basically because he's got he's, he's got mannerisms and the way he moves is quite is, is quite a lot like mm. Shulamiobi. <laughs> and I really mm. do think that's why kind of people's picking him out. And of course, everyone wants Mitrovic to be in the side. And I thought it was quite funny that Rafa took Gil off and brought Mitrovic on for Gil because the guy in front of me just went absolutely light. <laughs> it was like, like it did it on purpose to wind them up. It's fantastic. Yeah, I think with the army, I think he's one of but these the, players. But can can the army eat an apple while riding a bike? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, pretty much, that's pretty much the greatest photo ever on earth. It is. It is indeed. I think. And I want to pro- know. I want to know who this knee jerk is, mate, because Tony's here is going to try and appoint him as his manager. I think. <laughs> 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 I think no oh, God. <laughs> I think the the, pro- the problem. I, I I'll be surprised. I know Ian said that uh, you'll you'll probably come back quickly, but you, you you suspect because of what's happened at the FA, 
that that I believe they're doing invest uh, doing investigation. Um, you know, it could. You know, they they might they might say to him, no, you can't take another club until the end of the year. Well, I hope he's not available for anybody because I do not want him rolling back into Sunderland. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the Sunderland. I'll tell you what, Andrew. The Sunderland fans, the Sunderland fans, pretty much instantly when this story broke, the the pressure mounted. The pressure I was thinking was cranking up the nine on Moy straight away because ultimately that manager they had, who I think was um, their match made in heaven. I really do. Um, is, is is really currently available, and I, I don't think they'll have any qualms in him wandering back through the door. They wouldn't. They wouldn't see a boot with ghost if he wandered back in managing them. I think. Uh, I think he's. I think the, what he did with his Sunderland was was so instrumental in in how they stayed up. I, I think he would he would probably look at um, Sunderland as as something that would be a complete downgrade. Do you not think, Neil? Um. Bro. That's a good question. It, 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 I don't know. I'll try. Uh, I, I really don't know. It, 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 it's all a bit of a... Well, I wasn't. I better not use the word I was going to use there. Forget it. It's, 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 not, uh, it's not after 10 o'clock at night back, back in the UK, is it? I'm, uh, watch the swear words, Neil. Um, <laughs> it's all a bit of a right royal mess, I think, is the, 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 the words I should pick carefully. Um, all round, really. Um Downgrade, upgrade, who knows? Yeah, I've got, when it comes to, what do you think, uh, uh, God. Lee? Yeah, I forgot, I was thinking, I was thinking something else. But Lee, you when it comes to, to... You need to take two of the tablets tomorrow, mate. Or <laughs> well. But what's your thoughts on the army? Because he is one of these players that plays well for one game, but he can't seem to, um, you know, get get it together to, to play like a, you know, I think we're looking for a complete world beater I think to take yeah. take charge of games, he doesn't seem to be that player yet. Well, hold on. I mean, he's pretty much been involved in most of the teams that's won the games this season, so he's obviously doing something clearly right. Mm-hmm. I just think, I just think, <laughs> our fan base at times, and you always get, you always get your one person who the fans like to pick out as a player who they don't particularly not like, but I think, to, you know, for example, Dwight Gale didn't have a good game on Saturday. He did. He wasn't great. You know, he didn't really. He wasn't involved in a lot. But you, you're not going to get people jumping on his back, are you? You, you always get one who is easy to pick out. And I think, with, I think probably it's 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 kind of his mannerisms. He's, he is quite he is quite amiobish, and um, the way he kind of yeah. moves and uh, runs and all that. But <coughs> he linked up things quite well on Saturday. Um, he was he was. He did things well. There wasn't any problem with his game. He was quite involved in a lot of things. He, 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 when the ball went into him, it normally stuck, and he normally got it back to black and white. So, you know, the, in terms of the way we played on Saturday, like I said, I think most players were quite uh, between a, a seven and eight, a seven and eight on Saturday. We were quite solid. We didn't do anything magical. You know, when we when we had to when we had to dig in, we dug in. We made it hard for them to break us down and. I think maybe if Rotherham had scored, we might have went up another gear. But those kind of results are fantastic. You know, it was one 0 I felt great walking out the ground. I was like, "Got a clean sheet." I was, I was actually wanting to break into the one 0 to the Arsenal song because I was thinking, "This is what that must." I was thinking, That's, "This is what that must feel like." Because uh, my my whole time supporting your castle has been, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a joyride as such. And Benitez is certainly away from home, he's making us very, very, very difficult to beat. He sets us up 
mm. tight and make sure and make sure that the first job is to try and keep a clean sheet because he knows if we keep a clean sheet away from home, nine times out of ten we're going to win the game because I think we've got one or two or three or four chances in us. You know, we'll, you will get them days when we'll go to QPR, we'll get an early goal and then we'll cause absolutely havoc because teams will have to come out and go at us. And I think, as Ian kind of pointed out when he was on the show before, he was kind of saying, most teams are going to see Newcastle as some kind of cup final. Mm. And they are. Yeah, we've seen teams that. We've said that all season, mate. You're right. You know, <coughs> teams are going to see us as a cup final, but we have the right man who prepares us for these games. And, of course, there's going to be speed bumps along the road. But how many games is left now? 36, 37? Mm. Do I think Rafa Benitez will get Newcastle promoted this season, either in first or second? I do, yeah. And I do think... And I do think once we get the, I keep saying it, once we get to December and January, once the winter kicks in, once teams start getting suspensions here and there, little pulls, little niggles, this is when the squad that we've assembled and come yep. into its own because we have two or three, we have two or three players for pretty much each position, and that's when it will kind of show. I was going to ask you actually because uh, you you're quite close to Durham. Any thoughts on the on the cricket? What's happening with Durham? It's a bit of a joke to be honest. I think Andrew, I don't, I, I don't follow it massively, but my yeah. mate always gets his, my mate always gets his tickets for. Um, well, I went, I, I was at the Ashes and I was at the, I was at the, I was at the game against the, was it the West Indies in the summer? Yeah, the West Indies in the summer where there wasn't much of a sellout, and he was actually, <coughs> when I was there, he was actually telling us about the problems during we're having. Oh, you did. And I don't think we're going to get a test next year, and he says because unless it's going to financially cripple us and things like that, but. Reading between the lines, where I've read a little stuff about it tonight, it sounds like we pretty they the ECB has made us pretty much bankrupt ourselves by saying we have to have this or we have to have that. Mm. Um, in terms of tendering for events and things like that, mm. <coughs> so sorry about that. <coughs> if I'm still knackered off last Wednesday and Saturday, my throat is just absolutely butchered. I'm glad there's a <laughs> two week break. I'm glad there's a two week break now, but it looks like. It looks like we're being butchered by the powers that be, which is really, mm. really bad. I mean, uh, the prices for the game against West Indies were were diabolical. Like, I think really? I paid something like, I think it was about 60, 70 quid um, for a ticket. Well, well, that, that was, was just like, for one? Uh, that was just one ticket, and it was like five pound a pint and all that. So I can understand why a lot of people were put off there. It was quite full, but it wasn't full. Fair enough, if we were playing Australia, I think it would have been a sellout, but... Um, I think they obviously got their price totally wrong. So it is a shame because it's a lovely stadium. It's lovely facilities they've got down there and things like that. It's a, a nice place to wander around, as is Chester Park and things like that. And mm. I think I think it's a bit of a joke what they've done to the club. By the way, it's, well, it's a, it's a mm. mess, really, absolute what, mess. What's going on with the? Because Emirates were quite heavily involved with Durham, so can can a sponsor not come in and say, okay, we're going to pay? Um, you know the the deaths that they've incurred, or does it not work that? Does it not work like that, Neil? I don't think it worked like that, mate. I think it, it it's pretty much a, along the lines of. Uh, the, I think there are rules and limits on what you can sponsor and what you can sponsor to, and how much you can you, you, you can appropriate. It would be a little bit like what they were saying about Man City suddenly having Etihad saying, right, we're going to pay four hundred and fifty million pounds a year for this shirt sponsorship as a way to get round FFP. You know, um, I think that, that there are guidelines. I'd have to go into that in more detail, though, um, as, we'll as to exactly how it works. The, 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 the Emirates tie-in was very much part of Emirates' thrust to get involved with cricket. Uh, and because of the cricket 
cricket's big here because of the the, the subcontinent population here, wow. and it, and, it, and it's picked up in the UAE as well. The UAE national team now's sort of on the fringes of of of, of that sort of international cricket, and they've, they've played in the the T Twenty World Cup this year. You know, so um, that's what that's part of. I have to say, Emirates will drop them like a stone. What do you think? Oh, mate, Emirates are ruthless when it comes to advertising. If they're not on a test ground and they're not in the top flight, they'll be dropped like a stone. Because you've got to remember when Hamburg, who won their shirt sponsorship in Germany, were in, in danger of getting relegated. Um, was it Hamburg? I can't remember who it is. Whoever it is that they sponsor in Germany was close to getting relegated, and they were warned, you get relegated if you've lost your shirt sponsorship. It's as simple as that. They're ruthless when it comes to sports sponsorship, and I know they're accused of being frivolous with it, but they're also very ruthless with it. And it wouldn't surprise me to see them drop Durham. Oh, wow. Now it's no longer a test ground. They'll not want part of that. Wow. What do you think on... Uh, what's your take on, on Sunderland? Because I know it's your favourite subject, Lee. But um, it is interesting, isn't it, that there seems to be, with, with Moyes, there's definitely a lack of energy coming from him, isn't it, compared to... When they had their, when they had their Mr. Big Shot, uh, Big Sam there. I think there's a lot of realism for him, from him. I think he's right what he said at the beginning of the season, but whether he was, <laughs> whether he was right to come out and see it, whether he's right to come out and see it, it's another matter. But he did actually see it after the trot. I think he said it pretty much when the, <coughs> when the transfer window was shut, and I think he was let down badly by Ellis Short. Um, again, I. I think Ellis Short's let a few managers down the last few years, but uh, mm. it's kind of <coughs> it's kind of noticed by the mob because the mob only see six in the room my in my head, and um, until Rafa Benitez sorts Newcastle United out, and we get above them, that's when they'll start asking questions. Um, I really do think that. Um, uh, well, I hope so. This is the year where everything comes back and bites them on the backside because how they've avoided relegation in the last four years, I will never know. It's been like some. Well, ridiculous Houdini act, really. Things have just—it's been like, well, it's been bizarre that they've actually failed, that they've managed to get out of it. But I, I just think that <clears throat> look, they might be heading one way. But the the thing is, with Sunderland, they have Sunderland have something which a lot of the teams who they'll ultimately be fighting for, I think, to stay in the league towards the end of the season, um, haven't gotten. That's a Jermaine Defoe. Um, Hello. The, I, I, didn't didn't Moyes come out and have a go just, yeah. just before after the game yeah, the, uh, the weekend, which I thought which I thought was a little bit strange. I mean, the, the, without him, they'd be in even worse trouble. Did he now? Please tell me yeah. more. Please tell us more. Yeah, what what happened? I, I heard about it, but I wasn't quite sure. I'm, I'm not again. I've I've only picked up on on press reports of it, and I I, I wish I'd had a chance to mention it to Keith. Um, <coughs> but I'm I'm sure that Moyes had a little pop at Defoe about his finishing. Yeah, he did. Uh, <laughs> oh, he must be crackers oh. because this. I've, I've seen quite a few uh, games this season, and that kid, that kid's literally fed on scraps, literally nothing. <laughs> and if it wasn't for him, it'd be mm. well. They certainly wouldn't have two points on the board and all that. He's like he's totally different kettle of fish. And if they lose him, mm. which you know, <clears throat> I've said when January kicks in, it's not beyond the. Let's see Newcastle in the Premier League, right? Newcastle were. Mm. Sitting something like eighth or seventh in the league, thinking, "Oh, could we crack on? Oh, we need a goal scorer here." If you're a team like who's sitting there in that position and want to try and maybe just add a little bit of firepower to your team, really, who who else is better around? Here's here's the quote: um, "We didn't deserve to be one nil down. 
We had a great chance through Dubin before, and I expected him to score. There were bits of play that got us chances. Johnny Evans made a good block from Jermaine. We need Jermaine to score more, although he has got us goals. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. yeah, really. That's absolutely crazy. That. That's fantastic. Thanks for bringing that to my attention. That's a really harsh quote for somebody who... Where would they be without Jermaine Defoe's goals? Well, they wouldn't be in the Premier League. They wouldn't be yeah. in the Premier League. There you go. That was, the yeah. diff- that was the difference between us and them last season. Factual. I was at that. Yeah. When we looked, the day we went to Aston Villa and drew 0-0, we had three or four decent chances. And if he was on the end of one of those, we would have won 1-0. And they definitely yes. wouldn't have beat Chelsea that day. So, you know, small margins like that. So, if I was him... And if that's the kind of thing, let's say, for example, Defoe reads that and he takes that as a negative, you're thinking, are you having a laugh here? <laughs> you're kidding. Yeah. He's kidding us, isn't he? I mean, he's, he's, he's literally fed on scraps, to be honest with you. I watched him against Tottenham, man. And he mm. was literally running between the whole back four for 90 minutes. No support, just pretty much on his own. And, I, and, I, and, he, and he did that quite a bit against um, Crystal Palace the other week because I watched that before our game. And, um, you know, he's basically feeding off now. He's probably looking at him thinking, he looks so sharp as well. That's the thing, he looks absolutely mm. sharp, but they, they just haven't got the people around him to feed him. Mm. Mm. Devastating times for them, I'm absolutely good at life. This is the worst thing, isn't it? It's always interesting to me when you, when you hear that you know, Sunderland wanted, like Ellis Short wants this guy, wants, wants this guy, he gets the guy he wants, and you look at Newcastle, we never in our wildest dreams thought we'd get Rafa Benitez. And then the similarities are quite jarring. Ellis Short has come out publicly and said, we, want, we always wanted David Moyes, the last five managers. It's quite a statement to make, isn't it, really? I want, this is the guy we wanted. And he flattens the whole fan base with his comments. It's, you know, and obviously on the back side of that, you do hear that he's looking to sell Sunderland. I think, uh, I, knew, I think all the Southern fans were pretty much delighted with the Moyes appointment. Um, when, when Allardyce went, I think most Southern fans were really? pretty happy with it. I didn't read any negative comments towards him, to be honest with you, and I thought it was a good appointment myself. I thought that was... I, I, I know he's been tainted with the Man United job, but <clears throat> I thought it was a good appointment. I just think I just think Allardyce was there, match made in heaven. There's just something about him and something about mm. Southern that I thought, ooh, this fits. It fits right. Mm. Um, how can I put it? Allardyce is Allardyce is a bit um, well. Peter Reedish, you know, he's team yeah. no nonsense, down and dirty. You know, you know, he, he probably brought the best out of the likes of Lee Catamore, who you know, this is this is a this is a bunch of fans who you know worship the likes of Kevin Ball and things like that. If they see a tackle and they see someone getting stuck in or knocking someone out, or they will they will react to that, and I think that's what. Allardyce got out a lot of the team, and then he, then he had a sh- he had everyone behind Jermaine Defoe doing that kind of thing, and they, they had a sharp man, uh, a sharp goal scorer at the end of the field. But talk, but like chalk and cheese with us, <coughs> we were surprised Rafa Benitez came to Newcastle United. But do I do I believe Newcastle United could have, could attract Rafa Benitez? Yes, I do. I still think Newcastle's. A, I still believe Newcastle out there in world football is a big draw. The biggest problem we had was the owner. No manager in his right mind would have come and took over at mm. Newcastle United seeing how previous managers have been treated. 
So we all know what Benitez did in the summer. Benitez sat down with his lawyers, he got him the draw of what he wanted and his demands. That's the biggest thing why I got excited straight away, because Mike Ashley signed off on those demands. Mm. Yeah, I've said it a million times, the Newcastle United can be what they want to be, if they run right. Fan base is here, fan base is here, the manager, the manager can see that, he's trying to tap into the city, there's nothing better than this place when the city's up and running and popping around, mind. and I think if he can get us back in the Premier League, <coughs> and Mike Ashley backs him, <coughs> Newcastle can be whatever they want to be. That's mm. why I'm excited. But it's one thing at a time. It's promotion first. If we can get that, <clears throat> then, like I said, Mike, um, Rafa Benitez, uh, because we're talking about Sunland, mm. he'll certainly not be thinking about top jogging or anything like that. His, his, his thoughts will not be about Sunland Football Club and finishing above Sunland Football Club. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be, I think it's. I think the international break come at a good time for for the players, and it'll be interesting if he gets them in, gives them any days off. Like, coming <laughs> a good time for my voice. Well, if, they, if you look at even the, um, when, you, when you look at uh, Andres Townsend, obviously he went to Crystal Palace. He's been called into the English squad tonight as well. So you know, uh, we're not really missing him with with the players that we've actually brought in and. Um, I, I can understand why I just want to stay in the Premier League, but um, we we do look more of a um, an outfit now that can play home and away. Um, I, I think the longer it, we're going on, like you said earlier, regarding when it gets into the winter months, uh, you can see in a lot of rotation that will probably still go on, and we should be far more fresher uh, going forward. And then you've got the January window where we might need to do anything. But um, I, I was going to ask you before, obviously, I'm going to bring in my next caller from the USA in a minute, but uh, quick, we still haven't seen much of Murphy, Lee. It's, it's interesting what's going on there. And the, the interesting thing, when Mitrovic did come on against Norwich, uh, he was directly involved with the last two goals. He was, um, he was better... I, I didn't think he really had a... Well, I, I think obviously in a cool light of day, he, yeah, he was involved in the last two goals and getting his head in and things like that. Mm. But when he come on, he didn't have to do a great deal. He didn't make the ball stick. He didn't do a great deal. He did more on Saturday. <clears throat> there was no silly back heels like at Villa. Um, he come on for Gale, 1-0 up. And um, he made the ball stick. And he, also, he was also excellent defensively when we were conceding those corners and... Uh, they they also had a long a long throw specialist, so uh, they were lumping the ball in the box at every opportunity. So he was better. I mean, as for Murphy, Murphy played well in our cup tie, which I said. Um, it's good that we've got someone like him around. I'm sure he's going to play his part. Like I said, we've got loads of games, mind. Absolutely loads. And as we've just kind of said there, we're not the only team that's going to... We're going to get injuries. We're going to get suspensions. But the big thing about us with injuries and suspensions, we've got three or four players to cover like one position. That's great. Well, thanks for coming on, Lee. I'll let you, get, I'll let you go. Yeah, I've, got, I've got Chris there. Don't get me cough bottle, I'm dying. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll get yeah. yourself some Zenos or something like that. You'll be fine. <laughs> I blame the dentist today. Bloody thieves. <laughs> they are, like I have to say. I did see a tweet. Oi! Oi! I did see a tweet. Yeah, I directly, in, I directly included you in it. Just to apologise yeah. before you pick up on us. <laughs> Alright, thanks very much. <laughs> next, yeah. Till next week. Bye. 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 Bye.
I'm going to bring my next caller in from the United States. Uh, it's Chris Chris Parry, and you've got you can only mention the Ryder Cup once because I know you're on the golf course at the seven. Go ahead. We'll talk about Newcastle second, but I have to tell you, a lot of English people, a lot of European people, are not very happy with the American sport fans because they were disgraced. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was pretty. It was it was pretty brutal. I mean, you'd probably say about ninety-five percent of those fans were you know were doing what what you'd expect in a, at a at a you know at an event and they're cheering in red, white, and blue. But you got the five percent who are idiots. And they show up drinking early. They probably have never been to a golf event in their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, all of they, they, you know, so they're going to treat it like it's a football game or a baseball game. And football and baseball in the U.S., you get heckled. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's kind of, it's just, it's funny how that works. I mean, uh, I really thought though that it, it brought out the best in in the in England and the U.S. I mean, it was, I mean, not England, in the in the in European team and the U.S. team. I mean, the shot making was just amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, Sergio. Sergio and Roy just seem to feed off of it. Like, heckle me again, I dare you. Yeah, I mean, uh, but I think Europe finally, the, the, the let's throw five rookies out there strategy that's won the last three times, it finally backfired this time because the rookies did not, were, besides Peters, the rookies did not perform as well as rookies have in the past. And, uh, and he, you know, there, there was like five rookies stacked in the last five singles matches, and every one of those had American flags. So I think I think Europe needs to seriously go back and rethink their strategy, but it had been working. So you know, they weren't going to change. You know, they would they would get you know the the usual top guns, and then they would go grab some rookies that were kind of green, and they would just play out of their minds because they didn't know quite understand what the pressure was, and they'd win. But it backfired this time. I, it definitely you could tell the United States seemed like a different team if you watched the whole thing. It was. It was such a togetherness where in the past it's been all the, you know, every one of them would come up in separate planes or something as professionals, you know, and they and they wouldn't. It didn't seem like they had that togetherness attitude. Uh, but uh, and I mean, I thought Bubba Watson signified it because he was left off the Ryder Cup team and wasn't happy about it. And instead of sulking, you know, they made him a vice captain, and he's there. You know, rooting on and cheering on his teammates, and I think, I think that, I think honestly, I think this is really good for Europe too, because a rivalry is not a rivalry unless both teams win occasionally. And in Europe, Europe has dominated. So at least now, in two years, I imagine the the, the, the European fans are going to be are going to be ole 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 nonstop. You know, uh, and it's it'll be it'll be a similar situation. You know, for the enough. You know, for you know, for the U.S. But it was always something else. There were some there were some bad apples, and I and I and I know I kept hearing on the Golf Channel on NBC that so many guys kept getting kicked out. Like yeah. they, as soon as they'd say something stupid, that would be the last. Unfortunately, you'd have to hear it. But it'd be the last time they said it because then they'd be kicked out. But anyway, Newcastle United. Neither you nor I can say anything about what happened on Wednesday because we both shut off the radio and the television. Yeah, I did. I did switch it off. I must admit. As, I as true fans, as true fans, I, I can honestly say the four nothing Arsenal. I watched the whole thing. You know, I know. You know, sometimes I would. I'd like to DVR stuff. So as soon as a couple goals would go on, I get pissed off and fast yeah. forward and see if Newcastle scored. <laughs> but when during the Arsenal game. Before nothing, I watched the whole thing just seething, and then I got a chance to uh, live, and I got a chance to watch the whole thing. But I cannot take credit for what happened on Wednesday because I turned it off. I went, I, t- I was like, I, am, I have to work after this. I do not want to be in this kind of mood the rest of the day. The interesting thing on the Saturday game, it was on live, and it was on mm-hmm. Sports as well, wasn't it, Neil? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched it on. I watched it on BN Four. I watched it on BN Sports Four. Yeah, um, yeah. There's like seven or eight. Um, yeah, it's uh, with when you get BN Sports, you get like all eight channels. So I was able to watch that one live. But they don't. They haven't shown as many championship games that I would that I would have liked. But that's okay. I listen to it on the radio when I get a chance. Yeah, Neil. Did you did? Is that is that something that happens normally, Neil? And yeah, well, we we um, it, being here, there's there's what there's sixteen BN channels here. And the, actually, no, there's more, there's 16, and then there's another four Arabic only. Um, and there's always a championship uh, 3 o'clock Saturday game on. Always. Yes, but, only, yes, but it's only, never been only, only, Newcastle a couple one. times, Neil. That's what's sad. Only one, and that's it. it there's, yep. there's only, only one. Uh, and for us, sometimes it's Arabic commentary only. What did you think? But I like Arabic commentary. It makes them well, they go pretty crazy. No, they go pretty Arabic commentary. It goes pretty crazy at goals. I used to crack up at Arabic yeah. commentary. Heck, I, that's how I watched most of my soccer growing up as a kid. I'd watch the Syria and the Premiership, and I'd have like the Arabic. Yeah, you know, I'd have Arabic comment, you know, commentary going, and I just, I didn't care. I just wanted to watch what the match. You, what do you think, Chris, on the performance against Rotherham? Because you're watching it. It looked an itty bitty game to me. Obviously. That goal was tremendous. Well, I thought I, I thought that uh, you know, Atsu was fantastic. I, I, th- I thought that it was one of those deals. It does seem like Newcastle seem to play a better situation when they're a road team now because they're used to teams packing it in and not, so they don't really have to go for it as much. They get their nick their goal. They play defense. I mean, I think you know we, we got a little fortunate when uh, when there was about 80, 80 corners and long throw-ins. I hate that long throw-in stuff. I hated it. I hated it when Stoke did it, but it's, it's effective. I just, uh, I just, I don't know. I just never liked it. But uh, uh, I also think that team is better than than their record. I think that they're actually going to end up being just fine if they play that way, the way they did against Newcastle the rest of the season. They should be just fine. But uh, it, good teams find ways to win. They've got players with you know, with that little extra, and Christian Atsu has that little extra. And I've admit, guys, as soon as he tur- as soon as he turned, I was like, here it comes. As soon as he turned to make the space, I'm like, here comes the shot, and it was an absolute beauty. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and of course, Yaron Gufron is like a man possessed. I, he would have scored if it had not have been a block on that volley. That team did a really good job of getting getting itself in front of shots. Uh, but uh, it was a much better performance from Newcastle. Clearly, they, they they kicked on from what they'd done the last you know ten or fifteen minutes against Norwich. And now they go. It's so great to go into a break feeling good and yeah. being near the top of the table. And now. Uh, and now you now uh, you, 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 know, you take the next step and see what happens now. I mean, it's we well, say about a quarter of the season's done, like a fourth. Uh, well, there's so many games in the championship, so they got still a lot of work to do. But I mean, it's it's been a good it's been a good uh, first you know first two months. Uh, what do you thought? What's your thoughts on Bob Bradley to Swansea? Because that one was been coming for I a think while. It, I one. think it's. I mean, I think it's about time. I mean, Bob Bradley has been such a successful coach everywhere. I mean, now, here's the thing, though. Swansea fans better get ready because he is not uh, the kind of coach that they've had in the past. He plays, you know, tighten it up defensively. Let's make you know, set pieces, not long throw-ins, but set pieces. Let's nick a goal. Let's win 1-0. If we win 2-1, that's great. I mean, you remember how the Team USA used to play in the World Cup? You know, it was not this free-flowing stuff that Klinsman's trying to do. So uh, as long as Swansea, but he does get results. 
you know, it may not be the prettiest soccer in the world, but I doubt Swansea cares at this point. You know, they're tired of seeing pretty soccer and lose. Um, so, uh, so I think I, I, I'm happy that an American has finally been given the chance to uh, to manage, you know, manage in the UK, you know, manage in the UK because I mean, he'd been managing Egypt, he's managed in France, you know, um, and now now he gets his chance uh, in the Premiership. Yeah, I, I think we obviously we touched on it earlier, didn't we, Neil? But um, I think because of the fact that you've got an American, uh, be, he's the first American to be uh, a, a manager in the Premiership. But even now, when I look at the feed, that you know, a lot of people are saying, "Well, you know, you you could have you you could have seen Bob Bradley um, in the Championship probably more quickly than than the actual Premier League." Neil. Oh, absolutely. He was the mm-hmm. perfect championship manager, Neil. And, 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 and he was perfect. But he was just never given a chance. Mm-hmm. He was never given a chance. And I, I think I really think he'll be fine. He's he has Swansea playing well. They're going to be tough to break down and beat now, but they won't be as attractive to watch. I, I think people don't realize how much broad experience of the game he's got. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he has managed in the Middle East. And, uh, you know, he, he's, he's, he's got... Um, a bit more pedigree than I think people realise. I, I think it's an interesting appointment. Um, I think it could be a breakthrough appointment for Swansea looking to spread their brand, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Let's let's see what what that does as well for them. Um, uh, it, it's not the first manager though that's been at Swansea where there seems to have been always on a, the verge of a player's revolt. Mm-hmm. Some of the stories I've heard coming out of Swansea. On and off over the last three or four seasons, you think, hmm, who's really in charge in the dressing room there? Um, it's a bit of an odd appointment, I think. Though I think, I think, um, I think uh, Chris, like Chris, is probably a bit right when, but I just think it's he could have gone anywhere, but to go to Swansea, and the only reason I think he's there is because of them guy, you know, Swansea are backed by the Americans. It's a it's a win win for them. They get they get their guy in there. Um, mm. But I, I do think it's a. He plays football. He, the football he plays is kind of stoic football. It's not free flowing, and that's the thing about Swansea. It is kind of like that. They they like to they like the ball. They like a, they like to play with it, and I think it it will go against the ethos of the way the way that they're set up. What do you think, Chris? No, absolutely. Um, but here's the deal: Does Swansea like to win or do they like to lose? Do they want to be relegated or do they actually want to be out of? They want to stay in the Premiership. And I think Bob Bradley will keep them in the Prem. I mean, that's and that's the bottom line. I think, and I think that's what the owners care about. I mean, there's so much money, and we know that now. We, uh, the one thing about this new TV deal is it's really shown how much money is around. Guys, I was gonna, uh, let me say a couple other things. Yeah. I haven't. I, I've tried not to watch the EPL very much because it just it just hurts because Newcastle's not in it. But gentlemen, the quality of soccer that I saw on Sunday in those matches, you know, they showed the replays uh, after I watched the Ryder Cup and, and football and whatnot. So they showed the replays last night on uh, on NBC. You know, just mainly highlights, but just. But the quality of soccer was amazing. I mean, Tottenham's playing out of its mind. Man City. Man, uh, they, there really seems to be a top-heavy situation now, like it used to be in the EPL, where there's like seven or eight teams that are so good that that they can be beat three nothing and beat someone three nothing. So it's it's got to be fun for fans to watch. 
I mean, it's uh, and, and it looks to me like the bottom teams don't have a shot. They just do not have a chance this year. There, there's, uh, in my opinion, just from what I've seen, it looks like there is such a gap in talent mm-hmm. between you know, Crystal Palace, notwithstanding. Somehow, Alan Pardew keeps finding ways, but um, yeah, but the, there's such a gap in talent between that top tier and the uh, and the bottom tier this year. It's, it is yeah. interesting, isn't it, Neil? Because you know, last season obviously you had Leicester, but at least there was teams in the in the the middle that were really pushing, like the Man Uniteds, the Man Cities, um, you know, that even obviously the Tottenham's as well. But this season, it just it looks like it's business as usual. Isn't it? I think uh, I think Chris it, is right. Spot on. To to an extent, it has gone business as usual, just because mm-hmm. there's a number of teams have chucked the. Uh, you know the 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 big guns of getting a big manager and the spend big again. I think it's one of these um, situations that okay, football can be cyclical at times, and perhaps it's coming back to you know the, the, there's five or six teams that can, and everybody else is an also ran. You know, go go below you know, fifth or sixth, and that's it. Uh, everybody else is an also ran. But the the odd thing about this season is it very much looks like. You've got Swansea, West Ham, Stoke, Sunderland in the bottom four, um, and they look like they're in danger all of a sudden of being cut adrift. It has that feel. Oh, absolutely. It has that feel that you've got clubs who just they're wondering where their next win's coming from. They're scrambling a draw here and there, but they don't look like they're capable of putting a, a run of wins together. If you look at that form chart, it's got more L's than most Welsh, Welsh villages. And you're, you're looking at sort of... And, and again, it, 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 let's go back to what Ian Dark said earlier. Mm. It's October the 3rd. Mm. It's October the 3rd, and you're talking about teams that already look beneath also ran. Um, that's quite astounding. And it's quite early to be saying stuff like that. Hey, guys, you know something else that's interesting is that if you look at the teams that have been promoted, they seem to be able to hang much better because they're used to the fight. They're used to clawing and scratching for points in the championship. So they come into the premiership, and they're like, we're going to score, and we're going to scratch and claw, and we're going to find a way to finish you know, 15th or 16th. Whereas the teams, and I think Newcastle kind of fell into this because West Ham seems like so much like Newcastle. You know, Newcastle was fifth and feeling good about themselves and things are great and oh my goodness, well, here we go. And you have to bring it every single season. You cannot rest on the fact that you did so well the previous year. And I think that's what's happening. I really do. I think suddenly when it's been happening, the trap door has been open for a long time, and they don't have six points to get from Newcastle this year to keep them safe. Oh, it's killed me. Not, the, yeah. not only Sunderland, not only the fact that Sunderland has stayed up, but it's been at the expense of Newcastle. Like they they keep beating their rival, and I really hope to gosh that they go down and Newcastle goes up. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, Chris. But, but look at the look at. But, Look at Middlesbrough, though. Middlesbrough is, yeah. is out play, you know, playing. I mean, they're just doing everything they can to make points. It's, uh, it's interesting. Anyway, gentlemen, enjoy the break. I'm uh, on the fairway here. Luckily, there's nobody in front of me or behind me, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can hit, hit, to the, hit to the flag. And uh, I've always, always enjoyed it and look forward to talking to you guys here in a, in a, you know, in a couple weeks. Thanks, Chris. appreciate it. Yes, Thanks man. a lot, mate. Take care of yourself. All right, guys. See you, Bye, now. Cheers. Lovely to have Chris on. I love Chris being on every week. Okay, bringing the final caller of the night, and it's our own and wonderful John, who is no longer in Newcastle. Good evening. 
Andrew, how are we doing? Evening, All right, Neil. mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I believe you've gone back to, to Bristol, is that right? I have, mate. I'm afraid there's just that. I've still got to come back off for games, like, on a Saturday or Sunday. But um, what it is, me, um, me mum, I think, sent her on Twitter, sort of thing. And, yeah, um, I saw that. She's a wee bit poorly, and, um, you know, yeah. she's fighting, she's fighting, so she's got to have us back, and um, to be closer to us. So, yeah, and... Uh, Hopefully, um, things will be good, and, um, you know, but I'm not going to leave my beloved soon, and I will be back for the game. And uh, it's good to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you back on. Obviously, he, uh, Newcastle United fans who are listening, he said he's beloved Newcastle, but he actually meant beloved Newcastle and Celtic. But that's, that's by the by. Yes. I just thought <laughs> I'd zing you to bring you back to, to earth. But, um, so, are you quite... Are you quite happy with the way Newcastle are playing? Because obviously, before the two wins, there was a bit of a bit of social media craziness going on with um, when we when we when we draw a game against Villa. But uh, you must be quite happy the way things have turned out. Listen, I mean, some points in the last few games, all things absolutely fantastic, and where we are at the minute, sort of. I mean, we're still up there. That's the most important thing. I mean, the thing is, I don't care how we play. Mm. As long as we win. I mean, people are to play people in football. They want to play exciting football. You're mm. not going to get that in the championship, Andrew. The reason being, they've got a grind result sort of thing. And people have to wake up now and realise, no, that, um, you know, it's not going to be pretty in this championship. It's brutal league. And it's a tough league. as up and tumble. And the players now are getting used to it. And, um, you know, any win will do. I don't care if it's one nil. It's one shot on target and doing the game and um, three points makes it happy sort of thing I'm confident this team yeah, it, was ni- it was nice to see that Atsu playing I think people have been having a bit of fun on social media Atushu Atushu but like um, it was interesting the first time I got unfortunately I was I was doing stuff I didn't see it again but um, what, what, what's your take then Neil then we'll go, then we'll go back to uh, John Atsu I mean well you had a, you had a cracking game on at the weekend, he he, he looked like he was uh, lively. He looked like he, he had a bit of pace. Mm-hmm. Looked like he wanted to go to man. Um, proved that he's got a shot in him, and by, by gosh, he took his goal very well. Um, so he's the kind of player you could see him playing in the same side as Richie. Mm-hmm. You could put them either side, and 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 mind that they might set some some things on plates for strikers. Um, Certainly, if you, if you want to pin a pair of full-backs back, there's your, there's your compliment. Richie and Atsu will certainly do that. Um, he, he's young, uh, which sometimes is a good thing, sometimes that's not, not necessarily a good thing. He looked knackered when he got taken off, for me. Um, I think taking him off at the right time was, was appropriate because I think he, he really had run out of puff. But that'll, just, that'll come with the more he, exposure he gets in games. He certainly seems like he's got the confidence of the manager, so you know, let, let, let's wheel him out again. What an asset to have on the bench, even, but uh, and a luxury to have on the bench. So no, I like, I like the like the cut of his jib. I did. Have you seen? Have you seen? He hasn't played much, has he, John? But you know that goal. As soon as he got it onto that foot, it just with the way the ball just went mm-hmm. away from the keeper, it was it was stunning. I thought and. You know, you have mm-hmm. to you have to hope in the January window they make it permanent because he's he's only on loan. 
Absolutely. I, I was just going to come up to that, Andrew. I wouldn't mind coming to slide on and you and Paul Hyde get a permanent fan anyway. But I was also hearing that Camino at once as well. So, yeah, look, we got him first. And I love to see this guy step on the Cup United. I mean, I really know. He's got everything about him. He's trickery, he's got pace, he's got skills, you know. And the goal he's got on Saturday sort of thing. It's just pure box office because mm. you've got to let him play, you've got to let him express himself, that's what's doing that, you know. And um, it's just pure exciting to watch. And, um, you know, okay, he's not a puff um, in the end, uh, the right way for Matt at the end of the day. But I've got everybody, I've got confidence in Christian because I like this guy. And um, he's just winning, he's young, he's hungry, mm. and um, no more can be. But, and the thing is, competition of places between Christian and Matt is absolutely fantastic. I've got a suggestion there. Why do you play Rico on the left hand side, Christian on the right, and play Goose Rams number 10? Oh, that's an interesting one. Neil, what do you think of that one? Yeah. <laughs> uh, options, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even if you're a Well, Lee talked about it earlier. We've, we've got, once this long season, you've got to remember, Championship is a long season, and we've already done it. We're already sort of picking our way through one cup, and you never know how many rounds we'll get through with that. You've got an FA Cup to come in in January. Um, we've got two players for every position in this this league. You bloody need that. And in fact, what we've got is not just two players for every position. We've got players that you could you could rotate in combination and play in different positions. You could put the same eleven out, but actually have some of them or many of them in different roles within that eleven. And so, um, not only is that does that give you flexibility within a game to change a game, it gives you flexibility to rotate in a number of ways and not necessarily be what the opposition expect. Um, and, and so you can do whatever you want with them and, and, and I'm quite sure Rafa will. And he keeps them fresh as well. He keeps you on your toes yeah. and if you're not doing a good job then it's always to take, really take your players which I mm. think is fantastic. And, um, you know, you're in the team on merit. If you're good and you have a fantastic game, then you're in. If you do want, then someone's going to replace you, sort of thing. But with Rafa, sort of thing, he's, he's like a tinker man, isn't he? He's like a Ranieri in 2000, the 2004, 2005. But, you know, I, I trust Rafa, who picks on the day with the, against the opponent, so he decides fit. And I like him. Obviously, you must be happy with Darlow back in the team because I, you know, I think everybody's been pushing for cells to be taken out, and you know, to me, he's got more of a presence in there. And he, he, I just think he's, he's, you know, obviously, I think he'll bring cells back in, but um, I think it's nice that Darlow's been given his chance now. Absolutely. I mean, the thing is, right? People think I'm a go at match, but I'm no. not. Right, I mean, I like Matt. I think mm. he is going to be strong, keep that sort of thing. But I think he needs to be able to breathe that sort of thing. Mm. And, I, and I should have rang up last week, but I was really busy. But I just want to see other people, right, that time. Please lay off this keeper, lay off him, yeah. He's going to be fantastic sort of thing. And the Twitter messages that's been sent to him, right, mm. it's unfair. It's really unfair. He needs our support. He needs your support. He can't criticise in a new country, right. He's in a new league. It's in a league, it's going to be tough, right? And he's just getting used to it. Once he gets going, next season, if we're back in the Premier League and he starts again, the then he could surprise he'll be a top-class keeper in time. But like you said, 
I think Cole's there that keeps it at this moment in time. Like he's got pushed back and stuff, he reads the game, makes some good saves, and um, kicks better. He, he just gets better, doesn't he? He really does. He makes a couple of good saves. Like I mean, against Norwich, he had absolutely no chance of the goals. It's not the defensive mistake; it's a midfield mistake, and that's why you know he had no chance of the goals. But on his day, Cole is an absolutely fantastic keeper, and um, again. If he's in the squad, I wouldn't have a problem. Matt's in the squad, I wouldn't have a problem. They're both top core keepers for me. And, um, you know, just get behind the team. That's all you got to do. Well, so, you know, to be fair, people pay their money. They, they can do whatever they want. They can say whatever they want. That's you know, it, it, I think when it comes to Twitter, God, it's, it's a message. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like it's, it's a message. You know, if, they're not, if people are, he hasn't got to follow them, Let's be yeah, honest. So he, if they send a message, so what? You scroll down, you scroll down. Who gives a monkeys? Like I, I get abused uh, if I don't talk about Sunderland or if I even mention Sunderland that somebody's going to be on the show who is from yeah. Sunderland when, when they're not on. I get called out as well. So you know, so what? You know, I think it's overblown to be honest with you. And, and uh, people, yeah. people, it's too easy to jump up and say, well, they shouldn't be saying that. They shouldn't be saying that. Well, it's a tweet. They're not, they're not sending like threatening messages. They're going to cut no. his wrists. They're going to cut his wrists in the middle of the streets, you know. It's ridiculous. Anyway. It's absolutely ridiculous, man. I mean, we're too, I've we're too precious for our own too Exactly. Good. You're right. The thing is, though, right, end of the day, right, I mean, lay off him. Right? Don't mm-hmm. have a go at him, right? Just, you know, I mean, I hope Max Sells comes in. Right, you know, gets back he in the will, team. Yeah. If he does get in the team, he will do. And I tell you what, he will have an absolute damn blind ass over here. He'll mm. make some top class saves. He's going to get a couple of man in the matches for me. And when he does that, the fans has been slitting him off, right? Will soon change their mind. Hold on a minute. He's a fantastic keeper after all. Rafa signed him for a reason. Because mm. he is, he feels he's a top quality, top quality keeper. I want to say top class, yeah. But at the end mm. of the day, he will be. But at the end of the day, he needs to bed in. And once he beds in, when he beds in, then hopefully he's just got to keep going. And, um, you know, like I said, I trust Rafa he at the end of the day. Exactly. Well, thanks for coming on, John. We'll try and get back in a couple of weeks. And sorry to see you've left Newcastle, but um, all my best to all of, you know, me, myself, my Neil's best when it, co- when it comes to your, your mother. Uh, you only get one. So well done on you going and back there to well be with her. Said, mate. Thank you very much indeed. I'd like to say before I go, and just say all the Twitter messages to send some lovely messages regarding my mum. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. You know what? All my Twitter mates, you, Neil, I love you all, and I love Newcastle. Lovely. Thanks so much, John. I appreciate Good it. Luck. We'll speak soon, okay? Thanks very much. You will do. See you in a couple of weeks. Cheers, mate. Thanks, man. Cheers, Cheers, John. Cheers, Bye. Lad. Thanks. Well, what a great show, eh, Neil? Fantastic. Ian, I, I, to be honest, with you, I could have kept, I could have kept Ian on. I think we could have done the full two hours with Ian easy. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. I feel easy. bad actually because Steve Hastings was going to come on. We, we didn't even scratch the surface with the Raider Cup with him, yeah. um, or get too much into Newcastle with him. To be fair, right? Either. Yeah. I mean, wow. Um, well, well done on the start for you proper, because proper, you proper box office. He took over from me tonight. That was that was quite good. So, you know, it's all experience, but it was just, just fast, fantastic. I, I, I didn't even I didn't even sense once when Ian was on that he had to go if he had to, you know, no. go on do it do an interview or whatever he had to do. It's just, you know, I, I sometimes you just want somebody to stay on 
for, for forever and ever. Next time I'll ask him to stay up for two hours, so we'll uh, we'll get more talk with him. But absolutely sensational night, and thanks so much for everything for everybody listening to the show. I will be putting it back out there in the next couple of days, anyway, because we won't be here next week because obviously it's International Week. But thanks so much for everybody for being on the show, listening to the show with all my guests tonight and my wonderful co-host Neil Corner from Dubai. So thanks so much, and I'll speak to you in a second, Neil. Thanks now. Bye bye. Cheers. Cheers. Yes, it's Taylor. <laughs> right, button. I'll be out too late. <laughs> Got nothing in my brain. That's what people, people say. say. Mm-hmm. That's, That's what people, people say. say.